stopped doing that and just allowed myself to just watch it and stop trying to figure it out, that's when I like ad- adored it. That's the way to watch it is just to hopefully just open yourself up to whatever because it changes a lot too. And I think those pivots could either be frustrating or um, I hope like exciting and and um, and invigorating. But it, it, it's 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 one or the other, you know. Like because because if you if you fasten yourself to uh, any given point in the film, yeah, it, it, you're not going to stay there. Ari Aster has created three of the most unique horror movies of the last couple decades. First, with Hereditary, Aster gave us one of the most terrifying debuts in recent memory. Hereditary gave us some themes that would linger through all three movies. Family, trauma, and grief. Aster's movies are more psychological and surreal than conventionally scary. Midsommar continued to expound on many of the same themes. All three movies begin with the loss of a family member. In Hereditary, Annie Graham, a miniatures artist, loses her mother, Ellen. As Annie realizes that her emotionally distant mother wasn't who she said she was, the family begins a maddening descent into the occult. Midsommar, likewise, begins with Danny losing family. Danny's sister kills her parents and herself in one of the most haunting and shocking openings to a movie I've ever seen. Midsommar is also a story about loss and grief, inspired by a relationship and breakup that Ari Aster had. Danny must lose everything, her family, her relationship, her friends, to be reborn and to come out the other side with true emotional catharsis. Bo is Afraid, which is now in theaters, Ari Aster's third film is the one we're discussing tonight. In the beginning of the film, Bo's controlling and codependent mother, Mona Wasserman, is seemingly crushed by a chandelier in her very elegantly designed home. Interestingly, later in the film, we learn that Mona Wasserman's mother sounds a lot like Ellen, emotionally distant and afraid to even touch her children. Mona tries to do the opposite, becoming overly controlling, overly affectionate, and demanding. This leaves Bo, played excellently by Joaquin Phoenix, with crippling anxiety and complete inability to make his own decisions. I'm not sure anyone would accuse Midsommar or Hereditary of subtlety, but the world Ari Aster creates in Bo is Afraid is a truly terrifying and surreal to a mind-bending level. The entire film, we're not quite sure if what we're seeing is a dream or a hallucination, and it's through the eyes of Bo, who is overly medicated, scared of everything, and constantly getting life-threatening injuries. At times we seem to be inside of a dream within a dream, a nightmare within a nightmare, or even a video game. A lot of work so far trying to decipher Bo is Afraid has focused on Joseph Campbell. Ari Aster has called Bo is Afraid a Jewish Lord of the Rings, which can seem odd, but Tolkien's Lord of the Rings novels fit neatly within Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey mythology. Otherwise known as a monomyth, the Hero's Journey is a template to understand everything from the novels and films we enjoy to religious stories and mythology. <clears throat> the achievement of the hero is one that he is ready for, and it's really a manifestation of his character. 
And it's amusing the way in which the landscape and the conditions of the environment match the readiness of the hero. The adventure that he's ready for is the one that he gets. But then this can be seen also in the simple initiation ritual, where a child has to give up his childhood and become an adult. And this is where Ariaster inverts the hero's journey. Bo is not ready for the journey. In this movie, the journey to get home to bury his mother. Campbell talks about challenges and temptations that face the hero. And I'd argue that Bo fails all of the challenges and temptations that cross his path. You're a lucky man. What was this? That's my little assistant health monitor. Keeps track of your condition. He is unable to atone, fails in his effort to transform, and the moment where he could conceivably destroy his biggest tormentor, his mother, is aborted. We're in our childhood for at least 14 years, and then to get out of that posture of dependency, psychological dependency, into one of psychological self-responsibility requires a death and resurrection. And that is the basic motif of the hero journey, leaving one condition, finding the source of life to bring you forth in a uh, richer or more mature or other condition. The hero's journey, therefore, is unearned and unfulfilled. Bo is unwilling or unable to be transformed. Therefore, we're left with a deformed and failed hero's journey. The hero's journey motif is played with in an interlude. In the movie's most surreal scene, Bo is sucked into a play out in the forest. The play is a true hero's journey, with Bo losing his family, wife and sons, in a flood and traveling throughout foreign lands to make his way back to the village. He finally does, finding his three sons at the same forest play, a play within a play. However, at the last minute, he tells his son what his mother told him, which is that if he ejaculates, he will die, leading his son to ask, how did you have us? And bringing Bo back to reality with his own limitations, the same limitations that will stop his own hero's journey. On IMDb, these characters are listed as Hero Bo's wife and Hero Bo's sons. One other thing that all of Ari Aster's films have in common that I'd like to touch on. They all have repeated imagery and tokens that are used to both symbolize aspects of the story and serve diegetic purpose. They usually reflect something about the supernatural or occult aspects of the films. In Hereditary, Annie's dollhouse and miniatures track the fragile state of her mind. In Midsommar, we see intricate murals that track the events of the story. Bo's Afraid gives us a small statue of the Virgin Mother holding a baby Jesus that is replicated at Bo's mother's house in a tapestry. This movie is surrealist, psychologically anxiety-inducing, and pretty terrifying. We are made to feel like Bo in a heart-pounding three-hour panic attack. Am I dead? No, no. You've been healing so quickly. And no organs were hit, and your, your bleeding was really mild. What the fuck is Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, 
co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Right now, Conan is working on Catterwall 2023. Catterwall Music Festival is going to be in Minneapolis from May 26th to 29th. Tickets are on sale now at catterwall.org. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. KT Baldessaro is an actress, director, and writer who wrote and co-directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement, along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. I, of course, am your long-suffering, panic-stricken host, Forrest Miller. Remember to take it with water, always with water, and don't leave your keys in the door. Good advice all around, really. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking, like, did, did I leave my keys at the door? Wait, wait. wait. <laughs> oh, God, no. Did I leave the other one? Am I dead? I'll be right back, guys. Am I dead? Oh, man. I, uh, yeah. So this this movie for me, um, as times. someone who has actual, like, frequent panic attacks, like, as someone yeah. who has a heightened amount of anxiety, it was kind of fascinating to, uh, you know, Take my take my Adderall. Go to the movie theater by myself. Like for a good time like, at the movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then sit there for the next three hours, just gripping to the fucking edge of my seat, just like I am yeah. inducing anxiety in myself, which is something that I tend to try not to do, as I already have a lot of it. But it was kind of a, it was it was a fascinating kind of uh, journey into the the psychological. Uh, I've like my own brain, I guess, turned up to like a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> I think the absolute first question anyone looking at this movie would have to ask is, why would I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> I but mean, like, yeah, it's so good... over the top, though. Like, and that's 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 I think why it works. Oh, like, yeah. I, yes. I mean, the, the whole be- beginning sequence where you just like see where his, where his home is. And it's like, you know, like like I said, it's like you haven't seen that kind of like depiction outside of like a Republican campaign you, ad for against crime. You know? Do you know what it really reminded me of? It reminded me of City, uh, no, Delicatessen. The description totally. of the yes. town in Delicatessen were like grotesquely you know, over the top. Like just like jumping over the dead body and like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the face tatted guy. I, I like, I mean, one of my favorite scenes is like when he's just trying to get the water again, supposed to take it with water, right? So it's like, oh, but terrible things will happen. And he goes to the store and like, he like, props the, John. Right, <laughs> he props the door open and then you gradually see literally everyone on the street. <laughs> go to the apartment complex and it's and then the and meantime like oh his cards declined and he doesn't have enough change and like like i was losing my shit laughing i was the only i was the only one in the theater <laughs> just losing it i sound like I made again it. as as someone who was literally uh you know on on adderall watching this hard yeah. relatable because that that uh you know it, it dehydrates the shit out of you and you start panicking if you don't yeah. you know drink water with it and stuff so for me, like watching him freak out about not having water, I made sure I actually made sure. Yeah, the water's go. like off in the building somehow, just because like where it's like it's like what? No, yeah. it's it's like every intrusive thought you've ever had happening at once is definitely Act One, and it's it's kind of yeah. funny. It's funny in that kind of way that like Terry Gilliam's Brazil is funny, where it's just like oh. it's horrifically wrong and wrong and wrong, but you're kind of laughing at it. Um, one of my favorite uh, movies yeah. of all time, for what it's worth. Yeah. So maybe that's why I loved it so much. Yes, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I laughed out loud in the theater. I, I mean, uh... there was 
definitely points where you couldn't help but laugh. Although it felt like he was such a terrible, like an unreliable narrator to such a degree that it was like, this is, this is almost like idiocracy, like a Mike Judd kind of farce. Um, because like when he was running to get to the door just to get into his apartment, that absolutely reminded me of being like a very small child trying to run up from the yeah. basement to be like, oh, as sure. long as I get to the door before the shadows get me, it's okay. Yeah. And like, nothing's <laughs> fucking chasing me. He's yeah. pumping himself with that like Fox News style uh, cable propaganda. Sure. Where it's just like, uh, you know, the report of the bat- uh, birthday boy stabby man or whatever. Um, yes. <laughs> and so like but he's watching that on- <laughs> which is great by the way and one of my favorite characters in, in cinema now yes by the way <laughs> I, i'm sure i'm sure all of us have where's like, his uh, spinoff film yeah exactly sure Where, us- where's his disney plus prestige tv yeah. show well, I, i'm sure all of us have like older relatives right that like uh are, are fox news watchers and mm-hmm. i remember mm-hmm. um a couple years ago when like the crime wave happened in new york city uh city there with my grandma and like her family or whatever on like her on somebody's 90th birthday so it was all the old people sitting around and the the picture that they painted of new york city based on i mean they, they all live on long island but like <laughs> you don't go to new york city you know I, mean? <clears throat> I mean my man most of my adult life i lived in oakland california yeah so uh, yeah, can yeah, you yeah, imagine that like yeah. literally every human being that i ever met that is not from the bay area oh oakland oh yeah, oh. yeah and, like, and they're, like, they're they're envisioning mad max is what they're envisioning yeah there's like always a car fire, like 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 yeah, a exactly. car fire, just like <laughs> every corner like, of, uh, fire. of Oakland. Yeah. Like that's they don't even bother putting it out; it's, it it's just lights itself back up. Again. Yeah, it's like the core. Drive first. through with your car, and then your car catches. Well, that's just a Tesla, I guess. Yeah. But. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. But yeah, I mean that that was like like being like a ba- a band on tour from Oakland. Oh, Oakland. Uh, first thing they'd be like, Raiders suck. I'm like, haha, I don't care about football. <laughs> <laughs> and then second thing would be like, oh, got a lot of crime there. And it's like, dude, like literally no more than any other big city. But like that's all you ever hear about from from oakland and it's it's yeah so it, yes it's, it's so that's picture. very hard relatable in that way <laughs> it's that picture painted on almost like a giant mural of a city i mean I suppose i guess it's supposed to be new york city but it's like yeah because it's like a violent it's like a looney tunes yeah. version of it yeah but like violent yeah absolutely yeah, tucker carlson's like inner inner vision of new york city <laughs> it's what yeah. his brain looks like on the inside yeah yes. <laughs> it's his birthday um, birthday boy stab man all although there might have been too many white methods for uh tiger carlson's brain in there true so. yeah they, they but, would be, they would but, be methods of color thank you and um <laughs> um there, there's also like the perfect uh more yeah. methods of color <laughs> <laughs> it's rep- meth, meth representation um sorry but i'll let you finish that whole, yeah, that whole scene right where he goes across to get the water and props the door open it is yeah. a perfectly intrusive thought but like just the methods pour in as if they're like yeah yeah know, everyone's gonna get in if i leave this open yeah yeah, yeah absolutely Every single and what they do to his apartment it's just it's yeah. so over the top because it's beyond worst case scenario yeah i know right yeah exactly because if you've ever lived in a building, like a, a building like with with a door and a gate like that, that's the first thing. Like, don't let anyone in. You know, no, yeah. Don't, uh-huh. don't buzz anyone yeah. in. You know, everyone like freaks out about it. And then for good reason. I mean, it's not like the, that comical level, but you don't want people like, you know, graffiti is real. Yeah. You know, people, people mm-hmm. like breaking into mailboxes and stealing stuff. Totally real. Yeah. Did you read the graffiti in the movie? Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Yeah, like, like it's uh, you know, it's like there is no God, murder babies, like, like, yeah. 
<laughs> even the graffiti is like hardcore. Yeah. And well, and, the, um, and there's that that like big butt pooping too, like like in uh like uh half the scenes in that first act, yeah. uh, which I the, thought the was going to come back. The comically uh, oversized porn store then he's out in front of next sexist yeah, right like, next door yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Was... yeah. <laughs> was, and like and you know his mom is paying for everything yeah and she's super rich do you think she really put him in an apartment that's that bad or is this just his fucking anxiety it's exactly what it is because again we're talking about like you know the overextended uh mm -hmm. internal persecution complex mindset of like where someone is rather than uh, <laughs> you know, ra rather than any actual uh, based in reality situation. It this is, a, is a very, a very hard movie to uh, talk about with anyone who hasn't seen it. Because, I think we like, just need to abandon hope all you. Well, not even like that, right? I mean, not spoiling it, just being like, oh yeah, the birthday stab boy, man, and scene yeah. one, you're like, Bruh. Yeah, well, I so I, I went and saw it um, myself, but I saw it like a couple towns over, and like uh, I had my mom drop me off, and she picked me up, and I tried to explain the movie to her in the car, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, first of all, you would you would have hated this movie. Second of all, like, were you still explaining it by the time the show started? Because I feel like you would have been like, probably, like, yeah. No, <laughs> no, she wasn't interested in the first couple sentences. I'm like, so she has really bad anxiety. <laughs> no, no, it gets a little hard to follow here. No, no, I'm out. It's okay, so fucking right. funny that you would say that, though, because uh, Eddie got out of the car and his wife, because we went to see the movie together. He's The first thing he says to his wife is, you would have hated the movie. <laughs> I got home, my husband and I go, you would have hated the movie. Yeah, so yeah. again, I'm like, who is this <clears throat> Who is this movie for? Which brings, I guess, to the point that it is not doing well in theaters, despite it being a good movie, despite it being enjoyable, yeah. despite it being 70%, both from uh, critics and audience members on Rotten Tomato, but also like, it's a fucking ordeal. I would love to have been in the room, like with in in A twenty four, I suppose, when they asked the question of who exactly is this movie for? Because apparently they didn't. They were just like, "Yep, greenlit." Well, all right. You so let, let's get into this part of it, right? And I, and I kind of love that as a flex. Like to me, it's like, "What well, is one of the great blank check flexes?" Right? Yeah, and we'll, well, so, we'll see. So this is the movie out. that um, Ari Aster has wanted to make mm -hmm. uh, for eleven. He's been playing this movie for eleven years. Fantastic. This is it. This definitely is feels like that. Well, he this is like literally he has. This, yeah, this, he this, went this, to a production of Puppeteer to the Penis and uh, said, <laughs> "I have an idea for a film." Got it. So this is so he spent eleven years on this, coming up with ideas for this. Um, and I wonder it's so reason, damn long. <laughs> the, the reason he made it was originally four hours. He cut it down to three. Yeah, yeah. can you uh, imagine what he cut out? Good lord. <laughs> and um, and I do have a, a clip of him and uh, Nathan Fielder interviewing him about some of that stuff. But um, so he he uh. Made Midsommar, made Hereditary, I mean, other order. But, uh, and then he was like, hey, there's this movie that I've wanted to make. They knew he wanted to make it. And he, now that he had the goodwill from, you know, two movies that were really successful, he was like, uh, I'm going to make the movie that I've wanted to make, that I've been telling you guys I want to make, that everyone's <laughs> like, please don't make this movie. Yeah, none of these crowd-pleasing blockbusters like Hereditary <laughs> and Midsommar. Yeah, no, no, we're going to go deep on so this he, So he basically right. earned them so much money. That he uh, was finally able to make this yeah. this like monstrosity of a magnum opus, pretty much. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of production value in this. Yeah, he's like the Jodorowsky of mommy issues. He he put a whole play <laughs> inside, and I have to say, the technical the the, oh, the tech in that play is beautiful. The way the stage and the set moved, it was astounding. Yeah. 
like yeah the, the trees where the trees are like rotating for the seasons that's so cool what was the I'm prosthetics so budget so the <laughs> entire budget of the movie i have right i was looking this up uh 35 million Oof. which hereditary cost 10 million midsommar cost 9 million i would have thought that midsommar cost more there's so many like well, I guess they got Swedes to work for cheaper, maybe. But, yeah, costuming, um, though. <laughs> they already have health care. They don't need it. They shot, they shot hey. this film in Quebec. It should have been cheap. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I feel like this movie fries your brain. Like, <laughs> it does. It leaves you a little, little addled. But the problem with this is they're saying it's not even going to break even. And so where will that leave Ari Aster? Because I can think of several directors for whom... This happened. They got enough clout. They made their thing thing. It flunked so bad, and then they stumbled for several years. Like uh, Sean Toby Hooper, Toby Toby with uh, Life Force, which I love Mm -hmm. Life Force, but I was like the one person. Well, and any other red blooded American male, but and Andy. I mean Andy and like every other and bunch of horny kids. Anyway, Uh, but like that was not a popular. I saw the edited for TV version and loved it. What was like, and then I saw long? the other one. I'm like, oh, yeah, now I get it. Yeah, all right. But this is yeah, kind of the. And Toby was like, and she's gonna be naked the entire time, and everyone's like, great <laughs> idea. Here's a million dollars. But this is kind of the paradox of of the movie, and I wonder how it's gonna do once it's uh, released on streaming or something like that. But um, yeah, like yeah. most I think of the people that have most of the people that have committed to going and seeing it, seeing it, right? Both critics and audiences have enjoyed it. Enjoyed it, yeah. That, that haven't. But like, you know, I mean, as you said, like there's a 70 percent, you know, Rotten Tomatoes score on both critics and audiences. Like the majority of people who have taken the time out to go, all right, I'm going to commit to this three hour panic attack. Probably Ari Aster fans, as I am. I mean, you know, to a pretty insane degree. I mean, I think that he's brilliant. Um, I mean, you either think he's brilliant or you don't. And if you don't, you're probably not going to want to go see Bo is Afraid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can also appreciate this as art, but not necessarily like it too. That that's 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 okay too. You know, you don't have yeah. to you don't have to like every piece of art. You can you can appreciate the artistry of it. You can oh, appreciate sure. yeah. you know the, the, there's a lot to appreciate here. Uh, but I remember what I was thinking. Uh, you know, uh, what would um, was Paul Schrader jealous of the uh, the play within a play? You know, play within a movie. Oh, like for of it? Mishima, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely because yeah, this was like Mishima on crack. <laughs> And Mishima's not exactly a summer blockbuster to begin with. Yeah, no. you're right. but you're, you're this not like, wrong this is, about that. This is almost like uh, Mishima meets Joker, like on meth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this is because there's. I mean, there's obviously you know Joaquin Phoenix is the most uh, is is the through line anyway. But like mm-hmm. the, the whole like uh, you know city in turmoil, um, the kind of depressed like kind of psychotic character. Of course, in Bo's case, he's just mad anxious, and in you know Joker, he's psychopathic. But, so that, uh, <laughs> that's. I think that's a really interesting point that I kind of wanted to think about. Like, so Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, also Bo is afraid, uh, kind of becomes an inadvertent like incel. Yeah, me, me too. Like, like poster child, and and I feel like if you look at this movie with the question, is Bo an incel? He's an unreliable narrator. Maybe his mom actually has done everything she could do for him. She's paying for his life, his entire fucking life. This adult child is still sucking off of her. And he's a fucking disappointment. He can't make a single decision. He makes everybody else make a decision for them and then feels like the victim when they make these decisions. This sounds like the incel handbook. So if you watch this movie and you want to feel like, this man is a hero. It's kind of like that Joker thing. And so why is Joaquin in both of these movies is that, 
a joke that the director is making with us. Like, this is a farce. That's not what you should think. Well, interestingly, Patty Lapone, who plays the mother, her take on her character is like, which she's she's great. Yeah, she's great she's at great. being that type of woman, and like, but uh, her her take is that that you know that she's paying for everything. Right, he's not not the actress, but you know the, the mother is yeah. paying for everything for him and <laughs> is giving him you know, everything she can and is working and she and he's such a disappointment and and keeps failing and you know so that is her take on the movie, which mm-hmm. you have to like wonder what conversations she had with Ari Aster because mm-hmm. she's a terrifying character within this story, but that doesn't necessarily mean she's a terrifying character. Like we're we're not. It's not like you're getting it from the, uh, you know, the the old horse's mouth here or whatever. Like you're yeah. deep into like uh, a guy's, um, you know, paranoid paranoid psychosis uh, by yeah. the end of it. Yeah, and how like, pathetic to be like, my mom told me if I had sex, I'd die. And you never asked anyone else for clarification yeah, or backup like, on sounds, that. Sounds reasonable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I guess don't have to be responsible for sucking at talking to girls. He has a whole ass therapist too. Like you, you think that you know? Yeah. Love the actor who played the therapist. That guy. That guy's rad. Yeah. That let's let's rad. let Andy in on this, but yeah, I agree. Sorry, Andy. Yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say the uh the 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 uh oh man, I'm just like terrible tonight. No. I don't even know what I'm. That's it. That's about. your one shot. See now your anxiety is gonna no. kick in. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, didn't I'll just interject that I think. Uh, a very surface level analysis that I saw when this movie first came out is that, oh, everything's being blamed on uh, Penny Lapone, who's like as the, as the mother figure. And I was like, if you think that that's the takeaway from this, like you were barely paying attention because yeah. it's very clear. Again, he is not only an unreliable narrator, you're tripping as hard as this movie <laughs> is tripping. If you think that any of this is like on the face of it, exactly what's happening, because it clearly yeah. is not at any point. It- and Maybe the like, first scene? I don't know. Even that I don't know, you know? As an actress too, like like you have to, you know, everybody is a hero in their own story. And if yeah. you get a role, either you're going to have complete like like just go ham and, and uh be be mm-hmm. the the bad guy or, you know, internalize like what what why you're the hero of the actual story. Like um mm-hmm. uh when when do the right thing came out, uh Danny Aiello was just like, yeah. "Oh, my character wasn't racist." And it's like, no, actually, your character was racist, but it's not overt racism. Like, there's a lot of internalized racism <laughs> in that character. And, and mm-hmm. but that, he was—he had his story and how he was playing. Yeah, it. and yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I made it great. Uh, you I'm know, not racist. I'm Italian. We're not white. <laughs> can, can you imagine? Can you imagine though? Like, if Bo was your kid, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you get uh, a sense of it when he's on the phone with her. And he's like, what should I do? What should I do? Uh, should I yeah. come? Should, like, it's this frantic energy. Uh, he can't make his own decisions. Yeah. He, Kids, yeah. And, she, and she's like, all right, yeah, you lost your keys. You missed your phone. Fu- okay, okay, sure, man, whatever. You know, like, I get it. I get being that, that level of frustrated if that's you've dealt with that yeah. with the entire life. You know? He can't even stop a teenage girl from drinking a bucket of paint. Like, take the <laughs> right. paint from her before <laughs> she drinks it. He, he's... So you know, the, I'm sure you guys all know the sh- uh, Shmiel and the Shema- Sh- and Shemazel. Sorry, I'm awesome trying to say Incorporated. That right. uh, yes, right. No. Uh, yes, and also no. It's a concept in, in Yiddish like literature where there's these two different characters. the The best way to describe it is the Shemiel is the guy who spills the soup on the Shemazel. Uh, one is like unlucky, and the other one's just an idiot. And I feel like Bo wants to be. Both of those characters in our story, the idiot and right. the victim of his own idiocy. 
I think they de-jewed that and made it goofus and gallant for Highlights Magazine, if I remember. Oh, God, that's so much easier to say, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also find the, the play within it kind of fascinating because of that. I thought it was – like, of all – there's a few – like, okay, so if, if you were, like, like the Phantom Edit, sort of, like, here's your task of, like, cut this down a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would leave all that stuff. That stuff's great. That's, it's like, it's, too it's, good to it's take so out. immersive and, like, so uh, – you know, like it would work if that was the whole movie, and it's not. And the animation crew on that fantastic, so well, awesome. So, so that Joseph Campbell thing that you know I put in the intro, right? Where he's mm-hmm. talking about, um, you know, how the hero's journey and these characters are, you know, hero Bo, hero Bo's wife, hero Bo's children. This is supposed to be the hero's journey. Like yeah. what what this uh, movie would be if if he was successfully um, chasing after what he wants, and if he had been able to make those decisions, and if he was in a relationship and and had kids and had this uh, more successful life, and then tragedy struck, right? Like that's the kind of the uh, yeah, it's the, like the beat boards, right? Because when you're writing a script, there's like you know they're, they're, if, depending on if you're using software or something, they have these things called beat boards, right? So you have like mm-hmm. certain things where it's like all hope is lost, ah, but then redemption and this and that, mm-hmm. and it's it's like verbatim like it's the joseph campbell thing but, yeah but, but then with the thing that like at the terminus of the story like it's happening with him being in the theater watching it which is that sort of like ari aster like oh you know inception kind of like mm-hmm. worlds within worlds thing yeah and it, it <clears throat> i think if you time the film you can see it fits in like three one hour three acts yeah. so yeah. it definitely was it in itself was play-esque um, I kind of want to throw one to Andy because I feel like <clears throat> when they went from the live action to the animation, it was so seamless. And I know as a, as a comic artist, like, what do you, you, how do you feel about that? Well, that's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to turn me into Bowie. I'm bowing you. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, we've heard of no, making, I... but now there's Boeing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, no, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed like the, the, the surrealness of it. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, a bit like, um, uh, I, I can't think of the, uh, the book off the top of my head, but there, um, there, there's a, there's a great comic where all the flashbacks are done and like different time periods and the art style is done in the, uh, art style of that time period. Like, oh, like what was in cool. vogue for comics. Nice. Uh, and, and uh, it, it was something a little like that, but a lot more seamless. Like, like that's that's jarring, you know, whenever you're reading it. Also, it's like, you know, everybody has big muscles and tons of pouches. Um, but, but damn you, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. But nobody has feet because he can't draw them. Yeah, right. exactly. Everybody, everyone had the yeah, exactly. points. <laughs> but so this, so this is the, this is the hero's journey. That, uh, that, that dude made a living doing comic art. Can you believe that? Like a good living. Like he was like the guy for a while. It's like, why is he the guy? Why? 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 <laughs> there, are, there are actually good reasons, but that's a whole other podcast. No, I know there are, but like he's so terrible at like, like he should have had like a foot understudy or something. Well, you know it, what I mean? Or, it just goes to show you if you're worried about getting your art out there because you think it's not good enough, just get it out there. Just do it. Exactly. You might be the next Rob. Yeah. Who who cares if you can't draw feet? Fuck it. No. Who cares? Drop points. He's still working. Yeah, exactly. Sure is. Yeah, it's probably a better living than anyone on this. <laughs> anyway. <Yeah>. Quite so. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but no, so there's like you know the hero's journey thing, right? Where it's in the three parts, and it's like separation, initiation, yeah. return, and it's supposed to be you know it's the same thing as um uh like leaving childhood and and adolescence or whatever. And I like that line where he's like um you know the the adventure they usually get is the adventure that you can handle pretty much. 
mm-hmm. and he just can't handle anything. So that's kind of where the where refusal the refusal of the call to adventure. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's in the thing. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but he he just keeps refusing. <laughs> but like because he know. always refuses to make any decision or do but, any uh, action. But then that's called out too, right? Like it's talking about you know like the whole thing. Which by the way, like when you, he first gets to uh, the the house that has. You know, we just keep the spare vet in the backyard in this airstream because that's a great thing to do. Uh, but like, you have the thing of like, oh yeah, we can't bury her. We can't bury her without you. They they hinted that the vet killed their other kid. They're like, yeah. he started mowing down his entire company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's impl- it's strongly implied that, that he had something to do with it. But like, like the whole phone call, right? Which is which is like, oh yeah, we can't bury her until you show up. So you need to show up, man. And then like, just just like, and he still was like. He's a, he has like this deep anxiety about it, but he doesn't take any action. He doesn't really he doesn't really push back. Like, and it's pointed out that um, uh, what's the actor's name? He's great. Uh, Richard, the, Richard Kind. Frank. Richard, like he even was like, well, we could go now, and he's like, no, no, it's fine. Which, which I'm like, is that Richard Kind or Andy Oh no, that, that's that's Nathan Lane that you're talking about. Nathan the, Lane, that actor. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard what, Kind yeah. is the guy who tells him that we won't bury the mom until you show up. Right. Both of those are amazing comedic actors. Great. Strange to see them in a movie like this, and yet. Have you? Fantastic did you ever see uh, Nathan Lane on uh, the Blacklist? No, he played I a villain. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, I've yeah. Seen, he, I saw the first couple episodes of that, and I liked. It. I never came back to it. Yeah, no. You, the thing is, is like the show. It was really only good for a while. Whenever it was just uh, James yeah. Spader and like a really good actor, and it's the both of them just just like sharing scenes and chewing scenery apart. And, and uh, the Nathan Lane episode is a standout in that part. Yeah, uh, Lindsay watched all of them, great. and she that's that's basically the same thing she said was was just it's like yeah, like there's great episodes in it, but it, it kind of loses the plot big time. Yeah, yeah. So just just appreciate the the what, art. What what's it. her name? The 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 actress. She's great. I can't remember her name. She's I she was in the office too. She's in the office. Um, can't remember her name uh, either. I can't remember. It. She's I every time I see her, I'm like oh yeah, her. She's cool. She was in Only Murders in the Building. Also Nathan yes. Lane. Yes, yes, that's right. I love when I can tell you everything about an actress besides but, but, their name. But their name? No, exactly. I can't remember it either, so that's fine. Fantastic. Amy Ryan. I, Yay! I remember I it's because it's name. two first names. Yeah. I never remember those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Amy also both great. her and Amy Adams were in The Office. And Oh, that's right, yeah. Amy, Amy Adams was just like a like one episode arc. Yeah, but still, it's like... It's, it's memorable. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is, uh, this is, this is what I'm talking about there. Nice. Between one take when they were resetting that, that set, Joaquin and I were out in the yard covered in paint and we just started laughing. You know, we're like, this is our job. <laughs> this is our job. <laughs> like, what are we doing to ourselves? <laughs> this is our chosen profession, <laughs> you know? Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I'm really excited to talk about your roles in the movie, especially. It was one of my favorite parts. Um, First of all, Amy, can you talk about what it was like filming the paint scene? I feel like that must have been one of the most intense and also quite messy. (laughs) Yes, you're right in both. (laughs) Um, You know, there's a little bit of a maybe I put this on myself, but like, oh, this is one you kind of want to get right in one take, maybe two, because it's a lot to clean up and reset the the scene. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I don't know about giving too much away, but, you know, walking into that room, which for uh, Grace, that is a sanctuary. That is her dead son's room. No one is to <laughs> mess with it. So the horror upon horror, what she finds when she bursts through that door. Um, you know, and we have a really talented special effects team and it was, it felt very real to me. So I feel like not much acting need apply here. Um, and, uh, and then just, you know, there's been a lot of, there's a lot of levity and, and humor on the film and, and in between one take when they were resetting that, that set, Joaquin and I were out in the yard covered in paint and we just started laughing. You know, we're like, this is our job. <laughs> this is our job. <laughs> like, what are we doing to ourselves? <laughs> this is our chosen profession, <laughs> you know? And um, and with that, you know, like, be it that scene or any of the others in, the, in, in our chapter with Nathan, like, there was such trust because there was so much humor. There was so much um, pressure taken off the severity of the situation. Um, but it was, it, it was, it was still intense to film. And what was it like working with Ari Aster? Do you feel like having a familiarity with his past films prepared you in any way for what acting in this entail? It would be very hard if you only knew his films and you had never met him or heard him speak or see an interview. Like the two don't, quite match up like what you would mm -hmm. imagine someone who could create these films would be like, but, um, yeah, yep. no, he <clears throat> looks like a Jewish youth pastor. Um, he, a youth pastor. <laughs> Jewish pastor. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I've been here a long time. Um, he's, uh, he's what else can you say? You just want to put him on a Ritz and eat him. You know, you, you just, he's hilarious and smart and and just kind and compassionate and and does not seem like the twisted individual who would have written anything like this. Um, and he's uh, a master filmmaker. So it's, it's, yeah. he's, he's just, uh, it's an exciting and, and, and uh, joyous thing to get to work with somebody like that. And for my last question real quick here at the end, Nathan, what was it like working with Joaquin? Because I know he couldn't look directly at you during filming. Oh, you watched The Tonight Show, huh? I did. Um, <laughs> after we we <laughs> broke the ice with one another, he, he yes, he found me amusing. And so at a certain point, uh, and because my character is... Amusing. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> duplicitous. He's perhaps pretending certain things. Um, and uh, uh, so he would say to me, I can't, I can't look you in the eye or I'll start to laugh, uh, which I, I considered a, a high praise coming from a serious <laughs> artist like Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. Um yeah, no, you know, look, we had we we did have a, a great time together, all of us. It was just, you know, we laughed a lot because of, you know, the sometimes the absurdity of the situation. And um, but he was, you know, he's a also a, a not only a great artist but a total mensch. Well, thank you so much for. <laughs>
I don't think I could be in like a serious scene with Nathan Lane or something and not start laughing. <laughs> that guy, he's just such a funny dude. It's a pretty mm-hmm. funny guy, yeah. Yeah, like that is a remember- affectations or whatever. Like yeah. every, just everything about him. In the '90s, he's like, uh, I'm, uh, you know, like auditioning for roles. He's like, I'm too fat for the gay roles, and I'm too gay for the straight roles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, I I love how that whole section unfolds too, which which again, like the whole drink this paint with me. I mean, yeah, it's just like what, and then and then like his reaction and everything, and then like her tagging up like the bedroom, and then him like taking the blame for it, like like it just it escalates so quickly, and, yes. and it's well, it's almost like with um with Parker Posey later on, it's like. Every woman kind of coerces him into uh, into making a quick decision that he perceives as being life threatening. Even Elaine early on in the kissing, he's like, "Oh God, I might die from kissing." Like, <laughs> it's so <laughs> pathetic that if something happens without enough time, he just fuses and, and he fugues out and freezes. Yeah. Um, although I was going to say about the laughing on set, I bet that people. I mean, everything was so fucking uncomfortable. You have to laugh to like ease that tension oh, yeah. out, and 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 it's interesting how this movie doesn't ease its tension. A lot of horror movies will do a like, and then a scare and let you have it down. This just fucking boils just you. It up. <laughs> boils this shit, up. and you'd think you'd kind of desensitize to it, and after maybe like two hours, you'd stop. No, maybe three hours. No, it's literally right until the end. You're just like I can't really breathe very well, and like it's you're the, just sitting there at the ending, like the ending credits are going up, and nobody moved in the theater. No, it's like the curb your enthusiasmization of art films. <laughs> and there are, I mean, there are, I think, similarities to the humor that Ari Aster has in this, and curb your enthusiasm too. Like, sure. Like, Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, I know people that are like, I can't watch that show. I'm like, I get it. I love it, but I totally get it. Because <laughs> you, because you're like, no, stop, stop doing, no, stop back, no, just don't say anything. You're like, whatever. Ari, like, Ari Aster also he fakes you out um, when you know uh, Joaquin Phoenix like Bo wakes up in in Amy Ryan and um, and Nathan Lane's house after getting hit. And like you feel like this is going to be a sanctuary. Like the colors are different. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's mm-hmm. sunshine. Uh, they seem so nice in the beginning. Um, you know, before you know that they may or may not be employees. But still, like there's the unreliable narrator part of it where you don't yeah. know if that's his. You know, he's imagining like, oh, everybody's setting me up, and that's why I haven't ever been able to make a decision. Like they're all setting. Like this is some big plot against me. So you don't know any like any of that. But um, you feel like there's gonna be maybe a respite, and he's like in a new situation, and he's kind of unfolding into a new thing. And then within just minutes, right, like uh, everything starts being menacing again. Like I love the the you know the the girl giving him the stare while talking to the fucking uh, vet guy who probably killed their son. Like yeah, yeah. Like, but you can't hear what they're saying. Talking. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you, you, there's, there's some kind of parasocial relationship happening there, but yeah, you can't see. It's specifically done well because you can kind of like sort of make out like what she's saying, like with lip reading, but you can't really tell. Which mm-hmm. is, it's, it's so well shot because that's, <coughs> that's hard to pull off. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do right. And it's also very like. So when I think of comparing it to a movie like Brazil, where you're clearly not watching something that's real. The costumes don't feel real. Nothing right. feels real. The absurdity kind of knocks you it's out. That, it's that Gilliam-esque extra yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. This movie is 
absurd and surreal and yet it's like you know it can't be true but also like it's still the images they're using are still very true i think aster's very great about not falling back on any kind of like horror language that might have a pattern recognition for you where for, for people like us we could be like okay so close the mirror there's the monster at best it's a turnaround scare you know there's this tactical wheel of horror yeah. and aster's just like i don't even use a wheel and you're just like, God damn it, what's yes. gonna, ugh. It's so hard to breathe. You just don't mastered. know. Yeah. Well, I, and, and I kept waiting, and, and later on you understand why, right? But like, I was mm -hmm. like, what is his, what is this guy's job? Like, what is he doing? Oh, he's he's not, his job is being like an anxious fail son. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that, that makes sense now because you, because you're like, how does this guy get to work? Like, what, of a pharmaceutical magnet that, uh, it, it would seem like the pills that he's taking are the pills that later on. He's yeah. in like the poster for right, like yeah, yeah. He he like he basically probably does like a shoot once in a while. Well, he started off doing it as a kid. Clearly, you mm -hmm. see, this is yeah. all like, kind of done as like a like a, col a collage. You see the all the different pharmaceutical ads, and then you kind of see it stop, and then you're like, oh, okay. So he probably just like couldn't even handle that, which is like nothing. That's like his mom being like, no, no, you've got a job. You're the spokesmodel for my you know stuff, yeah. this and that. Yeah, and then and then he just like fucked that up. <laughs> And wasn't able to do that. And, like, was probably ruled by his anxiety for reasons why he couldn't do that, too. You know? It's really, really amazing. Um, in the scenes with Nathan Lane and uh, Amy Ryan. Oh, so impressed. I remembered her name there. Fuck, yeah. Very good. Very good. Oh, I almost bobbled it. Uh, what do you guys think about the scene where she swipes the napkin over to him and it says, stop incriminating yourself? So th to me, that's where it kind of inherent vice a little bit, like, mm -hmm. you know, meaning like, you know, that sort of uh, crying of lot 49, there's secret stuff going on and you don't necessarily know, like, all of the elements of it. Uh, and I think that was just, that's his projection of, of just, like, feeling, like, deeply uncomfortable in, like, mm -hmm. a situation and trying to, like, find a logical reason for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I guess because incrimination would be to have committed some sort of crime and he is always guilty for something that he is not even sure that he committed well, the, the, the therapist guy uh like, like he writes it he writes down guilty, guilty. On that, on yeah it's, it's a bit of foreshadowing like like, yeah. like it's, it's all leading up to the to the trial at the end and and mm -hmm. we don't know it because because yeah. like like what are they foreshadowing because like you know there's that note and then when they show the <laughs> mosaic of the mother like like made up of all the employees um <laughs> at the funeral and they zoom in nathan lane's one of those uh, yeah, uh workers they all are yeah yeah, everybody well, in the movie, and and again, that comes down to uh, the the projection of it too, right? Because I know people that have been reviewing this that are like therapists are like, nobody would ever do that. I'm like, yeah, no shit, really? Yeah. You think nobody would that's ever? That's because it because it, it didn't happen because that's what he's thinking the therapist is doing. Yeah. Like that's sort of like everyone like everybody is so. This is a problem I have with quote unquote react culture is everyone is like, oh well, that, that's not. It's like yeah, it's not meant to be. Congratulations. Like you, scr you scratch the thinnest surface of like, th like the inception of anxiety movies. So congratulations. Yeah, that's the story he's telling himself. But that yeah. is basically what PTSD is. Like, there's a trigger. Then you feel like you're in that original situation that's bad enough, the water bathroom situation, uh, <laughs> that you feel like you're gonna be killed, even though the stimuli around you is not inherently applicable to that and he always fugues out after right. those it's it does feel like a dsm5 kind of like textbook explanation and and to see people be like oh that's why it's stupid like no that's how it's trying to talk to you 
No, and that's like, 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 look, maybe it's not your thing, but for me, I, I thought that was incredibly clever and, and really cool. And like, mm-hmm. again, talk about that bathtub scene, right? You get like this, oh, this moment of respite oh, he's taking in this screwed up house where everything is terrible, and then like you sit with them for like a while, and mm-hmm. then you look up and there's like the dude that's just like, I, <laughs> I, I was that was another talk moment I was this. like cackling like a, like a super villain. I was like, holy yeah. shit! I also want to talk about this without uh, Forrest because yeah. I know how much he liked this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, well, and then the whole like brown recluse thing, and and all. I mean, like it was, it was so. It got me on that one because I was, just, I, I bought it. It's like, oh, he's yeah, it's t- it's taking a beat. It's doing the thing you're talking about, Katie, where you, where you would be like, so cool. it, it, you, you save it up and then build it back up again. It's like, oh no, nope. And and the like drops of sweat as they fall. Because you on see his them, face, yeah. Like tears I, I, down his own cheeks from above. Yeah. Like, and then the guy gives him this, I also wish this wasn't happening face. Right. <laughs> it's like, but it's like, it's almost like if it was a cartoon, like, buddy, you should hear about my problems. <laughs> it's like, I've been, I've been up for 24 hours. <laughs> and then what happens is exactly what I said to you guys earlier. It's literally every worst intrusive thought I've ever had. I'm yeah. naked. I'm being attacked. I'm underwater. There's something venomous. I, it's tiled, so it's slippery. Like, I, I, and then I run out naked into public. Gah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then somebody stabs me because I'm and I've, and I'm the, found naked, unconscious. Yeah, the exactly. cops mistake me for a serial killer. <laughs> It's so over it's just, the top. I love it. Tired, they think tired. they think their statue was a was a weapon. Yeah, yes, you, exactly. you have to get to a point where even though you're panicked with him because you are here's our protagonist, you're also laughing because how could all of this? How could all of this like, happen? He goes up to the cop and the cop and the cop's gonna shoot him, you know, like and then which is a you know hard I don't know, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, right, as that. we were saying, his Fox News, he's very built up by the news by what he's told, right. not what he's experienced, because he doesn't want to experience anything. The whole world is fucking scary. Yeah, and that and cop he- certainly like went from like you know just talking to the woman to be completely panicking, mm-hmm. uh, which which does check out, you know. Mm-hmm. I also feel like this movie could be at points uh, a, an argument for uh, generational trauma. And I think that like her, you see that in Hereditary. So it's like a thing that Ari Aster is definitely into. But the idea that like he's carrying this anxiety for guilt he didn't do. And the play kind of alludes to this like in another life, maybe you had gotten accused of a crime you didn't commit and you lost all these things. And like, it's just keeping, and the mother even says, like, my mother fucked me up, so I'm fucking you up. And they just keep passing this anxiety to each other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think that all the cruise ship stuff works, mm-hmm. too. Because, again, you have, like, these pronounced moments where it's like, oh, yeah, that probably is a thing that maybe they did find it, you know, dead guy in a swimming pool and this and that. Mm-hmm. But then it's also, like, the the, the thing that, which is like, don't ever, 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 you know, like whatever the exact quote is. I can't remember. Uh, like as she's leaving, it's like, whoa, really? <laughs> like, are you sure she said that? <laughs> exactly. Exact. And also, uh, you sure about that? <laughs> and and I also find it very comical to note that when we meet Elaine's picture, um, it's in his nightstand and it's also in a Ziploc bag. Yes. Yes. And it, like, it says, uh, and what does it say? It says, um, I forget what it says on it, but like, it's like, yeah, it says something like, enjoy this or something. Like, what does it say? Like, I'm, I'm trying to remember. But, I don't uh, remember. 
But yeah, like it's. Well, and that's like if you haven't picked up at that point, it's an unreliable narrator thing. I don't know what to tell mm-hmm. you. Like you're just. You need to be on this medication. Drink some water. But <laughs> but I, I it's like I think all that works because you, you it makes sense that he would be like have this fixation from mm-hmm. uh, from a child from like you know this this girl that he engaged with and that like would invent something in his mind that would like stop him from ever doing anything or, or interacting mm-hmm. uh, in any way, shape, or form later on because he had this you know. What seems like it's always on the verge of getting an inappropriate close relationship with his mother. Yeah. I and, know. Well, there's also, I, I think there's a level of inherent guilt that comes with uh, being a young, yeah. like a young, like, and if you look at this movie as like his inability to uh, get out of that phase of like pre-adolescence and his inability mm-hmm. to turn into an adult, right? Like he's, mm-hmm. he's just uh, stuck in this childhood mold where all the things he was afraid of as a child, he's still afraid of as an adult. He can't move forward. His, his yeah. mother still has the same presence that she did when he was a kid. His father's a giant dick. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you look and- at it that way, there, there's an inherent guilt, I think, that comes with like um, masturbating as a child. Mm-hmm. Why it's like a protective shield, I think, over the, the picture pretty much. Or, um, you know, kissing kissing uh, a girl for the first time, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's bit of um, like even when when she's like okay you have the you have like five seconds to do it or she's i don't remember what the number is like mm-hmm. like that kind of like come on really <laughs> really come on <laughs> we did talk about forest while you're gone the brown recluse scene and the uh the, the dude with the how do you think i feel above the bathtub you know like that situation <laughs> uh, I, uh i'm i'm very afraid of brown recluse but like i used to be at least like i mm-hmm. i have you know, I, I come from a long line of anxious people. Both my parents, um, that like they constantly fight because I think a, a big part of it is how anxious they both are as people. So they would always be like, at first it was uh, black widows. I don't think they had heard of brown recluse spiders. And then after that, it was like, oh well, black widows aren't really a problem here. Well, maybe it's brown recluse spiders. I found out like two weeks before seeing this movie, they don't even have brown recluse spiders no. in New York. That's not like a. There's no. Um, yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's like a southern thing. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like being afraid you're gonna find a banana spider in your bananas. Like, oh. is it an urban myth? I don't know, but it's enough to keep me from getting bananas. <laughs> it's in the name of the spider. It must be popular. I'm yeah. good. I'm but done. It's another moment also where they fake you out. I don't like out. bananas that um, much. <laughs> he's he's in the tub. He's finally relaxing. They fake you out. Of course, yeah. right above yeah. him is is the same guy that's like yeah. the help me guy. Yeah, um, who who's been up there for like you know he's apparently Spider Man, but like you know he's, he's he's been up there for a while. And and again using that that like uh, reading lips situation where he's in the the store getting the water and the guy is just frantically repeating help me help me help me help me. Yeah. It it's so funny but also upsetting. It's amazing how he found the exact line between like ha ha but also no thank you. <laughs> I mean. And and so much of it is like like the, in the reality of like living in an urban environment is like maybe one of those things would be happening like mm-hmm. the help me help me help me guy or the the guy you know the birthday boy stab man or uh, mm-hmm. you know the the guy with the face tats like you're know, trying to get like one of those things happening would be like something that happens once in a while but the fact that it's all of those things happening the entire time is why it's again it's played for comedy because it is comedic mm-hmm. and and like the anxiety of again. He lives in this this hovel. It's like next to like the porn place, and <laughs> and it's like you find out later again. As this is pointed out earlier, 
His mom's paying for it. Like, do you really yeah. think his mom would like allow? Of course not. You know, she like would, for a status thing alone, just for her. It's yeah. just well, occurring I'm, to me now. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andy. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go for it. No, I feel like I've talked a bunch. I want to. I want okay. to hear. What you have to no, say. I, I was uh, just going to bring up the the uh, the flashback where he had the uh, was um, uh, the mom kind of tells a story about how uh, you know he was uh, that that they got separated at the mall and um, uh, she right. slipped and fell and all that stuff. And uh, the, uh, it almost seemed, uh, you know, almost like what happened at the very beginning when you see the kid playing with the speedboat and the mom comes and takes him away. Like, it it almost seems like right. that right there. First, was, like, three minutes of the movie or something. Yeah, that, like, on, literally yeah. one of the first things you see, um, yeah. mm -hmm. just about, is, is, like, telling you immediately, like, 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 as you go on and you remember this part, and probably better in a rewatch, because, you know, I, I think we've all only seen it once. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, except for Forrest, who like stayed in the theater for three days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I was just too anxious. I couldn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't leave. Uh, I, th but, but, uh, I think uh, we yeah. see a couple of moms and uh, different scenes with moms, and all the moms are having that like super anxious reaction intera interaction with their kids. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody's having a, a, a normal one uh, no. on that walk at all. Uh, because it's his lens; it's how he sees the interaction yeah. between any mom and any I, child. This is normal, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, just like hopping over the dead body and like the help me, help me, help me, help me guy. And like, uh, yeah, like all of these like caricatures of just like anxiety tulpas that are all around him. Yeah, I was going to say that I'm just realizing now that it really reminds me of um, all of the plays like um, Uncle Vanya from Chekhov. Ooh, and yeah. pe people yeah. say that like this is a drama and Chekhov's like, no, it is a comedy. And the whole point is that everyone in the play is like, whoa, is me. And it's so exaggerated that Chekhov was like, this is funny. This is what people think Russians are like. And he's like, here, hold on to this gun. It'll be useful later. <laughs> and then also he was like, I'm going to put this here, but don't talk about it. But it'll yeah. be important. Um, whereas like a lot of other people saw that and they thought like, wow, it is high drama. So, yeah, this might be an older conceit that I'm, I'm just now realizing. So the, so I wanted to uh, so the the press run that Ari Aster's done through, through for this movie has been kind of fascinating. He's both gone out with uh, Nathan Fielder a bunch of times, and Nathan Fielder has not broken character as he's interviewing he him about does. this. And uh, and Scorsese, like those are the two people that <laughs> who also has a broken character. What is schizophrenic <laughs> double choice? Okay, uh, yeah. why not? Yeah, I think go. those are just his friends. Like <laughs> he's, sure. he's Scorsese's favorite modern director. Uh, Scorsese has been Scorsese has hyped up his work more than um, <laughs> more than Ari Aster really has. <laughs> Better than That's a novel great. movie. Let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh. Yes, I, I hoped while writing it and then making it, and now, at this moment, I continue to hope that people connect with Bo. Um, did, did you guys connect with Bo? Yeah! 50% of people. Well, there really, there really is no other character to, that you can really Give it up for anxiety. If you like connect with a different character besides Bo, I'd be so fascinated. Patty LuPone. Who? What was that? Who is the guy dancing? Uh, the guy who's uh, he's he's the salsa. 
He's actually a salsa teacher. It's a class. It's a salsa class on the street. Um, Well, I think part of connecting with Bo is the fact that everybody else is like this. I too am afraid of salsa. Malignant cartoon, right? Like this, like evil, false, like clown mirror of a person. Yeah. So like that, and that reflects my experience. (laughs) <laughs> and you looked at me right when you <laughs> finished that sentence. I could, I could look anywhere, and it's, it, it would remain. Because Bo, he's really trying hard. Like he's trying his best. You can tell he was like trying to get to his mom, and we saw that he he wasn't lying to her when he called. And I, you feel bad for him, kind of, right? Like you're he's he's trying to do his thing, and he keeps getting uh in these scenarios and that 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 daughter at the at that house really uh did one over on him yeah, isn't that like life though i mean how are you like so because because you're it's like what is the reality of each scenario is so abstract sometimes how are you like directing the performers in, in terms of if they have questions about you know what's what's actually happening here. What do you say to them? <laughs> well, it it was different for everybody, but you know, I mean, it helps when you're casting a lot of like Broadway actors. You know, when the characters are like outsized. Uh huh. Because then you just don't need to tell them anything, and they just like kick the door down, and you know. Yeah, yeah. The the performances were amazing. Nathan Lane is so that was incredible too, right? Like, he was, man, oh man. Yeah, Nathan's amazing. Yeah, I I was very very excited to work with him. Did you know him before? No. So what did you, you just, did you have to persuade him? Did you have to persuade anyone or was everyone just like, oh, I'll do this, no problem? I had to persuade Joaquin. <laughs> what did you say to do it? Uh, I mean, it was like months. <laughs> this, is some, this is some show. <laughs> I mean, like, talk about, like, the perfect guy to talk to about this, though, right? I mean, again, like, I feel like his whole thing is uh, doing a character that just keeps going on and going on, and, yeah. There's there's a, a second version of, like, because they did, I guess, two events in one night. Joaquin Phoenix, like, wanders in halfway through and is like, I was in the wrong theater. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, like... <sighs> Like, I don't feel like this is hard to understand as long as you understand, like, the rules of engagement. And I think those are pretty... Maybe it's... I just watch a lot of surrealist stuff, but, like, I, I thought mm. it was pretty clear. I was like... Uh, from the beginning, it's, it's like, oh, no, this, this guy's deeply messed up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
potentially tripping balls because he didn't drink the water at the right time, you know, <laughs> and, and and like that's just that's just what's happening from here forward. Like he is the most unreliable of like what you are seeing is probably not true the entire. Which time. by the way, the the whole uh, if you don't drink this with water, uh, you'll die thing is very crib your enthusiasm. Like you definitely <laughs> yeah. see Larry David like taking a pill without water and be like. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know I mean, like, just... <laughs> and then the water's turned off mysteriously because they're working on the pipes, and you know, mm-hmm. like whatever. And then he goes down to get the water, and like, we'll you know, the pipes, Larry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it, 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 it again is, and I, I love that kind of stuff. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, howling with laughter. Even though everyone's like, I'm confused. Oh, and and the other part of it, uh, he runs across the street, and the Indian guy at the bodega. Is trying to say that he's going to call the cops over, you know, him not having the full one, like five cents or whatever yeah. it is that he needs to complete the transaction. He's like five more cents, five more cents. I'm going to call the police. I'm going to call the police. And yeah. he's like, like, like. This. I definitely think that you could um, enjoy this movie. <clears throat> excuse me, enjoy this movie even if you don't enjoy this the the narration of the movie, which is a weird sentence to say. Like, mm. there's so much going on, whether it's with this with the FX and the prosthetics or the costumes or the acting or the way that it's put together or the animation or the stage design that even if you're like, Jesus, I have no idea what this whole movie was about or what it was trying to tell me. I still feel like you could leave being like, wow, I feel like I understand film craft a little bit more. Look at how his apartment was messed up. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it was like, no, that's a, that's a great messed up apartment. Because mm-hmm. it looks like damage that people could do in a short time period. I'm still wondering what's wrong with the microwave. But you know, <laughs> don't open it. Says do <laughs> not open it. Open okay. it. Okay. You know, just throw it out. You don't want to <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, and, and shoot into the heart of the sun. Apparently, I don't know. <laughs> the, the other thing about this movie, I think, once I looked at like some of the Joseph Campbell stuff and uh, like the concept of just um, you know not being able to leave childhood, like not being able to get into you know adulthood, being stuck in this kind of. Um, mm-hmm. yeah prepubescent I guess adolescence that he's stuck in on the like he's essentially stuck in the same position he was when he was on the cruise ship right like I understood the movie kind of perfectly after that because yeah. the big the big change that you expect right like we we're kind of um I feel like we we expect linear narratives mm-hmm. where uh you know this, this character goes on a journey he changes somehow transforms yeah. and then um you know and then he makes his way home there's some kind of triumphal thing there just never is a triumphal thing in this because He's he's stuck in this prepubescent phase where he's unable to transform. He's a man child. Oh, he's a man child. Yeah. If you want if you want that kind of storytelling, go watch presumably plain. <laughs> well, probably find it. I mean, if if you want some kind of resolution to it, even though there really isn't a resolution to it, like Step Brothers. Uh, sure. The end of that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's definitely it's a movie that doesn't have a hero that doesn't tell you the truth. Well, it doesn't like, really resolve. It's hard to root for him. He's such a shit. He's just a little shit. Yeah. Like I fucking hate him, and I'm glad that it ends the way that it ends. He gets what well, he the, deserves. The thing, when when he's going through the play, right, and he does he does complete the hero's journey. He completes the Joseph Campbell, um, you know, right. the full the full wheel around or whatever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't complete it until he's like an old man. And he comes back and he wanders in and he finds his kids. That's not like. 
he struggles through that, right? Like, and there's well, the guy that they immediately... in the country or whatever, and they mm-hmm. chase him out or whatever in the animation, and he has to go through all of the, you know, the the animated mm-hmm. snow, which I really like, for the animated yeah. wind, like he has to all these places. He has to really, you know, sacrifice himself. He doesn't find his wife in the end; she's passed mm-hmm. on. Like, there's all of these things. He he's incapable of struggling like that because he's, number one, he's incapable of making choices. Mm-hmm. Would uh, you know? have a destination in the end but he's also completely incapable of uh you know struggling really like mm-hmm. as he wanders through this movie right like people die around like he's not really affected by it in the same way that you know you were look, look at the audience like his dad he finds his dad in the audience and then like the crazy vet guy starts shooting people <laughs> yeah you know yeah. like and it's well, I, I think it shouldn't confuse the story in the play for Bo's story because like it immediately right. ends with them saying then how did you have kids? Like, oh, you didn't, you didn't complete the hero's journey. You're, yeah. you're still a fucking child. You're still in Act One. Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of mocking people too who who are like mad about this movie, um, mm-hmm. that, that whole play. It's just like you know that 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 whole section of it is just like this is the movie that you want, but mm-hmm. we're not telling it. And I think it also like, like this is the movie you want, you fucking pigs in the audience. Here, yeah. you, there's a play. Like, you, you get to see it. and then we're literally going to tell you that that's not what you're seeing, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll even put in uh, James Gandolfini's son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But but the contrast to it is actually really fascinating because because like like uh, that contrast makes you kind of understand this. Like like every single flashback, every single moment makes you understand the story better. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just watched uh, this this. Uh, Meh movie with a bunch of people who played uh, Aunt May playing different parts in it, and um, uh, uh, it, it was told not in order, and like it was trying to do what Bo was afraid uh, did by by trying to like not explain things to you, and then as you kind of figure stuff out, piece everything together, and but it just it didn't quite succeed at doing that. Whereas Bo was afraid actually succeeded at, at trying to you know tell a story out of order. But not well, tell you what it's telling you is Bo be crazy. Like that's really like, they're, like it's not like it's telling yeah, you that's something. the underlying message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not telling you something. Um, you know, uh, underlying about him as a character. It's not telling like besides mm-hmm. that he's you know out of his mind and he's like this man child that can't make any decisions. But like it, it has a very simple uh, what like what he's afflicted with. I think both anxiety and this mother issue that makes him you know unable to yeah, um, PTSD. Yeah, like unable to, uh, you know, blossom, I guess, into an adult. That's all. Like, it's a very simple premise that it's telling you in a lot of insane different ways. And you get to see how messed up he is over the course of it. But it doesn't really change. Um, it never really changes that that core thing that, you know, from the very beginning. I think when he's on the phone with his mm-hmm. mom, like uh, you're just getting more and more kind of layers to it. Um, which I think is the way that you want to do that. You don't want to, you know, have too much of a narrative that you give about this character if you're going to uh, go through their, like, their psychological state, I guess, because he's not, cha- like, you know, he's he's not transforming. He's not changing. Uh, his mental state is not changing. The entire movie, it's not. And you're kind of just going deeper and deeper into his mind, The you know, as he, as he panics his way through uh, getting to his mother's funeral. Which, of course, is... Not a you know it's a real funeral but not a real death, and like that sort of, and again for people that still haven't gotten at that point it's like okay really you don't get this yet <laughs> you really don't get this yet okay I well, love too that the uh, funeral was open casket and his <laughs> the and open his casket hand. headless funeral yeah exactly well, and his hands shoot out and he starts choking her which I mean yeah. is violent and kind of uh whatever but it is a choice 
And then he can't even follow through on that. He's exactly. Like, yeah. Can't follow through on anything. Exactly. Uh, and I think that. So we ha- we haven't really talked about Parker Posey. I'm a big Parker Posey fan. I was talking to KT mm-hmm. about this that mm-hmm. I actually think she's kind of got like we're we're overdue for a Parker Posey resurgence because especially uh, Clock Watchers, House of Yes, like that era. Like I mean, she, well respected at the time. Like was, she was like the indie indie queen for a mm-hmm. while. So uh, it's I hard like- not to think about her uh, drunk um, going to the fucking party and uh, uh, fucking. I never remember. I, just, I always. Girl? No, I always get uh, Fast Times at Bridgemont High and uh, the Link Ladder one confused, the, the titles for them. But she oh, is uh, the Air Raid uh, girl. It's like, Air Raid! And then she's drunk and she yeah. fucking wanders through and she's like, lick me! Oh, Daisy Confused. That's, Daisy that's, Confused. That's, yeah. that's the Daisy first confused. movie that I always think of with, uh, with Parker. Which, which is fine. She's, I mean, she's great in it. And she's. there's a lot of movies that are like very mid that she's great mm-hmm. in. That, that's. I like Daisy Confused quite a bit. I think that's a, yeah. that's a No, I love that movie. movie. But, but, I, like, the thing, her, but just her line, lick me! Like, when she's right. this. The, the thing with Parker Posey, though, is like, if you look at like the stuff that she's been given the past like 10 or 15 years like she was in that very like mid to bad superman movie is like lex luthor's like yeah. you know chick and stuff like that like Where it's trinity like, this is yeah the worst like, of the plague not... movies right exactly yeah you're not giving this woman who's a fantastic actress anything like solid to work with and like consistently for on honestly like over, like well over a decade you know arguably two decades so it's great to see her actually utilize in in a yeah, you know, where she actually gets gets to do acting, but gets to do so in a way that she, like her presence, it, it makes sense here. Because think about how Bo has her like this this person that you knew as a child, like blown up in this the large proportions, like you know, in his mind. Well, do you do you really think it's Elaine? Well, I, exactly. Who knows? Maybe because I mean, he, he says to his mom, like she worked for you, and she goes, "Oh, honey, do you really believe?" That's yeah. true. Like, do you do you even think that that woman was Elaine? There's so many questions to have. It does. Here. It almost doesn't matter because he thinks it is. And exactly. That's, all the that's the whole thing. Is if Bo thinks he's under attack, it kind of counts. Like uh, it could just be like an an employee that like you know whatever like that, uh, there was grievances and like she showed yeah. up the funeral late and got a little toasted and all right whatever I'm down for it. But, uh, time. Parker Posey, another great comedic actress. Really Best good in show. comedic t- Hello. You know, yeah. You know that she got the braces for real for that? That's, I thought it would be impossible for me to love her more. But She maybe. was like, you know, I kind of needed braces work. And she had a list <laughs> with the fake ones in. So she's like, I'm just doing it. Just, do just get real braces. So, um, That's not a bee. It's a bear in a bee costume. I know. So, this, so, so this is more from this uh, interview that this guy who, I, I played these the, the same guy that's interviewing him. Um. In, in this, uh, when we did our midsummer episode, which Conan you weren't on for, but um, this, I, 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 I propose that that episode be de- decanonized because it's really <laughs> what was Amy Amy Bell's thoughts on midsummer is what that was, yeah, which is a different well, show. Um, <laughs> they have a show for that. So, so, so this is talking about getting the Mariah Carey song, uh, which know, is like, crazy. It's crazy that that's the song that that's the song I they know. use. Isn't that nuts? Like it's sort of like I was like, is that Mariah Carey? And I was like. Oh, Christ, it is. Okay. She's got a good sense of humor, I guess. Anxiety or guilt in the making of this film? Yeah, I mean, the yeah, the movie's called Bo's Afraid. Yeah, but it and it's very much about, I mean, it's about guilt. Um, I don't really know what, what else to say about it, but um, 
but yeah, yeah, it's it's about guilt and 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 anxiety and um, ambivalence uh, more than almost anything. I think like I think ambivalence is a very particular kind of hell. I wanted to make something that was like you know that was very seriously about that, and you know it's about like an unlived life. You know, it's about somebody who's really trapped. Were you thinking about pharmaceuticals when you were making the film? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about a lot of things, you know. But yeah. yeah, I was thinking about pharmaceuticals. I was thinking about, you know, parents and children and, and um, like, you know, inheriting, like, you know, this, like, you know, a world that's awful, yeah. you know, from like, you know, par- like, um, in quotes, you know, parents and then... Um, but it, but there but but there's like an indignation about the the children not being more grateful, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. For it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can we talk about Mariah Carey? Sh- sure. What can I tell you? You make it sound like I'm going to ask you a generic Mariah Carey story, like like oh, what's you know when was her first hit? Well, no. Oh. If anything, if anything, it's just uh, you know it comes late in the movie. So. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Did you talk to Mariah Carey personally about having a song in the film? Uh, I wrote her a letter, um, and we sent her the scene with the uh, with the song playing. We got approval pretty early on, um, and again, we sent her the scene. So I just figured once we got the approval, that she must be like really busy, and, and she she was not able to watch the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> right, I don't I, know. I think maybe she saw it, and she was like, "Yeah." I mean, no, I think now I do because mm-hmm. I met her recently. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and? she and she said that she re- really liked the scene and appreciated my letter. I am really happy that that song is there. It was in the script, and I and I I, I was challenged in post to consider another song because it was you know it it had a price tag attached to it. And I couldn't. There was like, there's nothing. We 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 tried something like 300 other songs, mm-hmm. and there were some songs that you know, like that worked in one way or another. But like, not but nothing came close to that, to what that song kind of did to that scene. Hmm. That, that sounds too. easy compared to uh, that that uh, movie Skip Trace with uh, Jackie Chan, where uh, <laughs> they they. Um, they, they, they had to get the rights for rolling the deep from Adele and Adele's people would not approve it. And so finally, like they, they called up, um, uh, you know, the director, uh, uh Reddy Harlan called up, uh, Adele and he's like, Hey, can we sing rolling in the deep in our movie? And she's like, it depends who's singing it. And they go, Jackie Chan. She's like, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, but I like, I like the idea. He's like, well, they challenged me to maybe consider another song. Yeah, maybe I mean, one like, that doesn't cost like multiple millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah but then he's like, then he's like, and and we tried, you know, maybe three hundred, and I was like, huh, <laughs> that's that's a little more than considering. Like that's uh, yeah, that's how much it needed. It does need it though. I mean, it's perfect, but perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it does what it's supposed to do, <laughs> and and also that's one of the few times that I called what was going to happen. I was like, oh, I, I bet like he's you know. It'll be fine for him, and like she's gonna have an aneurysm or something. Well, he uh, shoots. He shoots um, his toxic load into her, right? Like he's yeah. he's such a, a toxic and like caustic <laughs> character that I feel like uh, he poisons her essentially. Yeah, because um, he, he broke but, the condom. 
I like I like this I like this picture. Um, hold on. What? But I like how the the after effect is she's just like paralyzed into like a wax. Oh yeah, no, she goes into immediate rigor mortis <laughs> yeah, like, because like, it's that's how he thinks of a, a dead body. The yeah. other and like both girls have immediate like blown out eyes as if they've had a brain aneurysm. Even yeah. though one yeah. drank paint and the other one got. Well, every character that has in this pretty much has those same blown out eyes. Yeah, like yeah. that's something they include all throughout it. Like he's, it's almost like he's going around, kind of forcing these aneurysms into people. Yeah, well, I, or or another thought that I had, and this is a big reach, was that the dad actually committed suicide, as that bugged out eyes would be like a hung thing, and a lot of people hang themselves in attics, and his dad is in the attic, the fear is of mm. the attic. Uh, and so all these bodies have this same sort of I, first I saw death kind of look, but that's a big reach. Turns out he was just hanging brain. <laughs> no. But I, I love I love the picture of uh, Brad Carey, Cozy, and uh, and and Ari Aster just kind of kicking it. Mm. Yes, yeah. they're they're both like holding on to her, like look, it's Mariah Carey. Yeah, we got her. Me. You gotta touch her to make sure she's real. Yeah, yeah. Well, she she doesn't know her, you know. <laughs> well, I, but yeah like i mean i think you bring up a, a good point. ari aster i don't know her i don't know her <laughs> like wh- whether it's the same girl that when he was a kid or not it doesn't matter because it's like it's in his is it his fevered like just like divorce from reality brain i'm sure all and, girls are that same first girl yeah, and anyone he's got like an interest in, or yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Just record. And also, and I mean, she clearly didn't wait for him, and has like issues, like her own issues that she's dealing with, with like other you know substances, and she decides mm-hmm. to sleep with him right away. Like, this is kind of um, it's, like I guess not spoiled, but like in his mind, there's like something he's been building up, and building up, and building up, and then the girl her- herself is like kind of a train wreck. Uh, yeah, he ends up, you know. I, 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 again, when she came in and she's like, the original tone she gives him at the door is so very like uptone to uptone that she's like, yeah, I'm this girl, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then she immediately starts robbing the mom. So, like, <laughs> right. she, like she doesn't waste any time whatsoever with it. Yeah. She's like, it's I'm very not comfortable. Girl. I'm that girl, sure. Do you want to go into your mom's <laughs> Whatever you say, kid. Yeah. Let's go. A, exactly. <laughs> I feel like there's a TV show that I saw that did that one time where he's like, oh, are you are you like, are you related to me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm your uncle or something like that. And yeah. he's like, yeah, where does your parents keep the, uh, the old silver? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, well, it's, but but I still love it because, again, like, like it almost seems like like with a lot of these characters, you kind of have like a whole like movie about like what led them to this spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like. What's their story? What's their deal? But it's movies utterly uninterested in that because Bo is uninterested in that. Bo doesn't care. He's very self-involved. Everything, the entire world is like, how does it affect him? Mm-hmm. He's incredibly like, a, you know, inward looking isn't even, he doesn't even begin to cover it. Like he's like self-involved, really. Yeah. And it's, it's how does the world affect him and never what could he do? He's always looking out for asking people, what what could I do? But I also feel like that's such a rhetorical question. It's kind of like a, what could anyone do in this situation? Because it's so extreme. It's a very self-involved fail child kind of mindset, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. Well, like, oh, yeah, you never had to like, carry about uh, this. The things, I mean, like the truck runs into him, right? Like 
the, the things that happen to him throughout this are not caught. Like he just happens to be like whatever running away from something, and then a truck. Like, yeah, the cop almost shoots him, doesn't, but birthday boy stab man gets at him after like being hit by the truck. That, that, you know? that did make me like laugh out loud though, when, when it, it's just like it's like oh you got stabbed a few times, and then he's like yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that's another thing that you'd fear, right? Like oh the the guy the the, the scary stabby guys across the street, and then the thing hits you, and then he runs up and starts giving you like the stabs too. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Give him the stabs. So then I stabbed him. <laughs> and I, I ran into my also, knife. Um, it, <laughs> he ran into my knife five times. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, the uh, the Amy Ryan and uh, Nathan Lane characters are like these surrogate uh, parental figures. Mm-hmm. That he, yeah, uh, it's almost like him like cosplaying the kind of parents that he wanted to have, like the kind of family that he wanted yeah. to have. And he felt like was robbed mm-hmm. from him. But even when he wants to leave, like he has to ask permission. He has to ask for their help. He doesn't just go. Just go. You're a whole yeah, grown no, ass no, adult. Nothing keeping it. Although, I mean, it, there is that weird medical monitor, which but doesn't seem. Yeah. It's not gonna stop him from leaving. Yeah. Exactly. It just go into the police is. or anything. It's another. another he uh, meets that hippie chick in the woods and, like, you know, whatever. He's after the next adventure. Yeah. But that's another like kind of fascinating thing. He's being surveilled the entire time, and we see it on so many. Like we see the TV mm-hmm. yeah. surveilled on. We see the tracker. Like he's getting more and more paranoid. You know, there's the cameras in his mom's house. Like that, you just see the people like. Uh, oh, and like with the TV, like the closed circuit yeah. TV. But mm-hmm. like he fast forwards and rewinds it. And again, again to the literalists out there, really. You, you, you don't get the, you don't get that this is like in his head, yeah. huh? Okay. Yeah. Also, like the photos at his mom's house is like all the yeah. photos of him, and one of them was like the scene where he's at the uh, at uh, Nathan Lane's house. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's like how do where did that picture come from? Exactly. Yeah. But she's yeah. so controlling; it could feel like you know my mother watches every single aspect of my life oh, to yeah. the point where she could even predict what would happen in the future. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because <laughs> well, and you know uh, when it's finally revealed that like his therapist was a plant that was you know recording everything, yeah. giving it to the mom. Like, yeah. I, like as a kid, I mean, I still kind of I, I remember uh, having going to a child therapist, and the therapist uh, would talk to my parents afterwards and like kind of tell them shit that I had said or whatever. And I like I still don't have full trust for like therapy. as a parent that's not what happens <laughs> a, I mean, a therapist no. shouldn't do that no no I, I mean like like my kid my kids are in therapy you know they're healthy kids. um and uh you know uh, sometimes you know we speak to the therapist because the therapist needs to uh make sure that we are doing our jobs to, mm-hmm. to benefit our children correctly well, and, I went to uh, I went to a therapist for like my parents getting divorced, so they would talk to my parents about how like how I don't know they would tell them shit we would say. So I'm just saying like no, it's, yeah, trust it's, it's not what you say, but it's it's what it's how to better be, be a better parent essentially. No, that's not what this. I mean, I, okay, well maybe maybe better. your therapist is wrong. Your therapist yeah. is messed up. But I, so, but I'm just saying I understand the like how are you gonna how are you gonna try to uh, snap correct my own personal experience from childhood. Because I was there, man. I'm your parent. I'm your dad. I'm your therapist. Twist reveal. Yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm a giant dick. Snap correction. That didn't happen to you. Uh... <laughs> but I'm just I'm just saying I, I understand <clears throat> the paranoia that he has by the end of it. And, and, and he's getting worse, obviously, being back in his mom's house. You know, oh, like, uh, and being and triggered. She, she comes back or whatever, and he's like, oh, I knew you weren't dead. You know, it was actually his. Uh, and I, I that's another thing to talk about, like uh, another surrogate mother figure, which was like his uh, childhood nanny or whatever. The, I got Highlander. 
the, the Mexican lady or whatever. Like, yeah, so, and her entire family for generations yeah. got taken care of by yeah, getting. Which, which is another, I mean, that's another idealized, uh, he idealizes his mom. Of course, she's not just, you know, a successful business owner or whatever. She's the most successful business owner. She lives in, like, yeah. the nicest house. Like, mm-hmm. it is how it's how children see, um, I mean, usually their, their dad, but, like, you know, a lot of kids see their dad as, like, a superhero. And that's mm-hmm. kind of been explored yeah. in a lot of things, like, um, how you realize your dad isn't actually a superhero, and he's just, like, a guy, and, like, the traumatic... Uh, moment where you realize that in his mind his mother i mean when she's good or when she's bad it's this fully idealized version of a childhood like parental figure where it's like she's you know the most important uh pfizer executive giving everyone covid vaccines mm-hmm. like uh <laughs> wait to hear about his dad yeah. and marta the the nurse who dies in in that way it's kind of like the only motherly figure to him has actually died uh yeah. is the realization yeah. yeah and she paid her to like i don't know it's just uh you know of course like my my mother would be so jealous that she'd pay off the you know the the nanny that i had as a kid to, to you know her off. Off. yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> just to get her to to test me yeah <laughs> and then i still fail the test <laughs> well he fails everything yeah yeah, yeah. well it's kind of funny and she even says to him like even if you showed up even if he fucked up and showed up, I would still be kind of impressed. It's like nobody's wanting him to make the right decision. People are just wanting him to make a decision. And that's kind, too much. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, still can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's truly so sad. It's just pick. You can't be wrong. Just pick. Yeah. I mean, like, even like when he's like kind of like a scampered about, right? Like he's just sort of like blindly wandering from point A to point B with no like plan or direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like he's got like a vague amorphous idea, like when he's in the car with like the teenagers and <laughs> there's the whole like, well, you have to smoke this or we're going to blackmail you. It's like, what? <laughs> which is, which is definitely what, what she's saying. Uh, stop incriminating yourself. That's definitely what she's referring to. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The, the, the girl, like the girl keeps trying to set him up. Yeah. Which there's a lot of I don't, I don't know. There's been a lot of uh, it's almost like a cliched figure at this time, like the teenage girl trying to set up some guy. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. by making mm-hmm. it do like illegal shit or whatever. Like adult men never want to take responsibility for their own weird decisions, so they're like, "Oh, like there's always this teenage girl. She has her phone out. She's gonna be blackmailing you." Like she's real busy on TikTok blackmailing me. Yeah, yeah okay. good point. Good point. Yeah, um, yeah. I I think it's I think it's interesting that Ari Aster actually has a good relationship. By the way, with both yeah. parents, most surprising <laughs> outcome ever. By the way, yeah. after, after seeing three of his movies now, I'm like, wow, really? Mm. Yeah, because I was looking forward to his, uh, you know, his Fablemans, where where he gets to tell us like what what the 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 event was that fucked him up, uh, and, and you know, uh, but plus the monkey, you know. We don't well, I mean, I, I think that he does have anxiety, and he does have like you know these mm-hmm. uh, uh, like mental foibles, but in terms of like his relationship with his parents i guess they're still married they're both artists they've encouraged him his entire time he has like a brother that's also an artist that's encouraged him there it is so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so what you're saying is that ari Aster's fablemans will be worse than spielberg's ari Aster's fablemans they, they I, I don't think they get divorced i think they just <laughs> they're just a happy family nothing yeah. happens make some movies yeah, there you go. And then he's like, I'm going to make a movie, uh, my first short film, where the son sucks off the dad. And they're like, go for it, son. I believe in you. Every, every That's the thing is being bad. too supportive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> every movie, like, bad things happen to the parents. Every, I, I, every Ari Aster movie, like... <laughs> 
I, I'm just getting flashbacks to like Trent Reznor trying to like play his music to his parents before he releases an album. Yes. <laughs> I'm also picturing uh, Cronenberg's parents being like, not so bad, huh? <laughs> totally. Eminem, Eminem, uh, like playing fucking his records where he's trying to talk about how he wants to kill both his wife and his mom, and they're both like, you know what? Like, just uh, put put your art artistic vision out. Yeah, there. sounds like a hit. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's like playing GTA Grand Theft Auto. Just just yeah. cosplay yeah. it and don't don't bring it into real life. Get it out on the screen <laughs> so you don't be mean. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Dick Dad. That's like the one thing that like I think you can get rid of that whole scene and it's like it's fine. Oh, jarring. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, that's it's, the only part that was important to him in his life was the fact that there was a dick that that impregnated his mother. Yeah, and it was such a large like there were so many reasons why. I understand well, my why. My dad's dick is huge, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Takes up most of the attic, as it turns out. Yeah. Do you know what it actually? It reminds me of the use of the octopus in in the Watchmen, the comic book. I uh, understand why it's there. It makes yeah. sense, but not having it in the film is a better choice. And yes. so, like, I'm right here. Where, like, I get why giant dick dad, but it was incredibly jarring, and it was the one point in the movie where you're just like, huh. He briefly uses it to uh, to kill the guy that's been chasing him down. And it's like, okay, well, that, I mean, I guess you couldn't figure out how to get out of that plot line. <laughs> yeah, because the dick has claws, jabbers, pinchers. <laughs> like, 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 well, in order, and also, in order to get us out of that plot line, he would have had to make some kind of decision. To, Look, uh, all, all I know is somebody true, stopped being A24 and started being full moon. And I don't mean that as a compliment. <laughs> I was like, that's a full moon picture decision. Like, that's like, you just show like Evil Bong 3. It's very, it's very edible, like edible, uh, not edible, mm -hmm. but what an edible I, dick. What, I, I, very, I expected Doll Man to show up and start shooting, not like the military guy. There you go. That's where I was going with that, by the way. Mm -hmm. Doll Man versus Demonic Toys, everybody. Classic film. I guess it also, I mean, it also gives you, I guess, uh, you know. Would have been just as surprising, frankly. I was like, oh. There's a recurring right. addict dream where he's, you know, you know, mm -hmm. watching that happen throughout the whole movie. And it gives you something that, oh, there is something in the attic and it's a giant dick. But then that guy that he meets also seems like that might be his father. Like, yeah, or the or the representation of him that actually stood up to his mother that he killed yeah. that day instead of, you know, if you think of it as like a, a, a fugue schism or like a disassociation between two personalities. Uh, I just think you don't show it. I think this movie's plenty long. You show him going up to the attic, you show him coming out of the attic being freaked out. There you go, done. He goes yeah. Up attic, he comes down out of the attic and he's like, wow, there was so much interesting stuff up there. It's it's true though. Are you are you gonna are you gonna say that the movie is too short? Is that what you're gonna say? No, it's fine. You don't need it. Just like he's freaked out. No, I, I think that, that I think that it jumps the shark for that one scene. I, I, Le like, leave I, it. Like I think it recovers after that. Or jump the penis. <laughs> we call it jumping the penis around here. Uh, I think. Slap the penis. <laughs> strangely, <laughs> it's the only thing that took me out of it. That is is, is that scene. And, and I so think. I think KT, I think you're right. I think if you just like leave it up to the imagination, which most of the best horror movies do that. That's a Hitchcock principle. Yeah. And so I worry about, so you guys are saying like this movie might do better on streaming because people are more willing to sit down for three hours. 
I worry that things like that are going to cause this movie to stop. I'm just going to turn the movie off because I can. I'm at home. That's ridiculous. I'm jarred out of it. There's yeah. still like another 45 you, minutes you know. at that point. <laughs> there sure is. Yeah, exactly. So right. I could it's see people being like, do, you know? yeah, but there's also now, if you're looking at the uh, the contracts and the union strike, there's a difference between a view and a complete view. Mm. 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 So you got to watch your shows to completion or your artists are not getting as much pay. Just wait, like wait, this show. Like, you got to watch the whole thing. You get personally penalized yeah. if you don't watch the end of this show. And I know sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to I be honest. I chastise you every episode. <laughs> exactly. That's why Andy What's says a true hero's journey? The, uh, the trial and tribulation. And you, viewer, are the heroes. <laughs> well, it's Andy, Andy doing the plugs. is the trials and tribulations. You know, you must. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the call to it. adventure. It's the refusing the call. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, Zach, mm-hmm. it's all there. I, I do really like the idea that this whole movie is just a, a refusal of like the adventure or whatever. Like, yeah. just like, like they're like, come with us adventure. And he's like, I, nope. I, I can't like, I literally just, I'm, I'm literally too autistic to. <laughs> I would never. So if this movie gets released as a director's cut with the additional fourth hour, uh, no, do you, you do it? Or do you, are you on board or you're not on board? <sighs> I think the after whole, I watched the whole hour the, uh, Ari Aster's Fableman. I'm sorry. The whole sorry. hour is him just having a conversation with the dick dad. He's just, just like, dick dad has. Oh, they put in more dick dad. Hanging. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's, if there's one second more dick dad, I am not watching <laughs> it. <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. My dad's dick dad doesn't play. <laughs> Exactly. He, he he has a soliloquy. Actually, it's quite touching. It's like Uncle Vanya. He opens the he opens the tip. <laughs> he opens the tip, and he's like, "You have freed me from my dick prison." Okay, who who, who are you casting for the dick then? If we've Nicholas got a Cage. voice on the dick, Nicholas Cage, good cast for. The I was dick? gonna say Wallace Shawn, but that's fine. Nicholas Cage would be good too. You freed me from my prison. Congratulations! I am your father. That's a good Wallace Shawn. Yeah, that is a good Wallace Shawn. Man, you should like uh, get a job doing like uh, video games for Star Trek, and you can play the Grand Nagus. The Grand. Uh, that's a wow. That's a that's a long way towards uh, yeah, utilizing a skill. The Grand okay. Dingus. Big old that, that's dingus. what he will henceforth be known as the grand dingus <laughs> oh, I mean they all look like they have penises thank you for anyways. freeing me from the attic after your mother locked me in there now let me tell you let me tell you a long story about how it happened <laughs> and then it does like the like like the sort of like uh, the wavy uh, lines that was, that's, that's a flashback well hold on hold on hold on let me finish it, it's it then it's just like a family drama like a straight up family drama but Dick Dad instead of a human. Like, everything is like a family, happy family doing stuff, but is a Dick Dad, like, you know, throwing the Frisbee with a nut, you know, whatever. It jumps up and tries to get it with, like, the... Yeah, yeah. But everything's totally normal, other than that. Well, you're gonna, Son, you want to play Frisbee. You're going to blow the fourth hour of the director's cut if we keep <laughs> no, talking. Exactly. We're spoiling, spilling all the tea. Spoiler on spoiler. I would do the... Uh, who is the actor? The Frisbee scene went on for 20 minutes. Nobody knew why, but it's, it's, <laughs> if you want to see a dick throw, uh, throw a Frisbee around. It's a perfect choice. I know the film for you. Uh, but they cut it out in the theatrical version. Yeah. It wasn't as good. It, it was Trump, a red time thing. You. you can do anything you set your mind to. Yeah, he's giving like inspirational dad talks, but like as a penis. Yeah. And frankly, Maybe. he was so caring. It's surprising it was. Liquor. Yeah. I barely know her. 
like, I, I'm starting to think it might be, it might be rede- it might be redeeming the Dick Dad scene. Actually, the more we talk yeah. about it, you've humanized Dick Dad. That's the problem. Is when you start to care about a character, this is basic writing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You're I'm in it. You're like, I don't want to see him die by getting macheted or it's, shot it's, to death. It's it's I pay for the electricity in this house. Who touched the thermostat? <laughs> and then you understand balls. I'm you sweating underst- balls in here <laughs> you understand why he's all mad at that guy and you know it's like yeah. it, it, there's a motivation behind it suddenly so it works it Thank is, you. It Ari is call us incredibly <laughs> expensive scene too when you think about the CGI why, yeah, exactly. why do you why 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 is that the thing that you're like alright mm-hmm. got, I got the thing everyone here's what we're doing dick dad what I, he can, again yeah that's right. I think it's going to be really, really hard for him in future to pitch any kind of movie with, like, he's not going to get another chance at a Dick Dad scene in any kind of film because that was expensive and ridiculous and didn't really work. And he's yeah. a really great, I want to see him be able to make these kind of and choices and go all over the place. Spin-off was going to be an entire uh, five-season show about Dick Dad and, and the little baby Yoda Dick. That... Yes. <laughs> his, his, his adventures in the attic. Look, if you can get Pedro Pascal for that, I'll fucking watch it. <laughs> exactly. I don't care. But I, I think you're right. I mean, like, like it's sort of, okay, so in the future, be like, hey, there's not going to be, like, a dick dad kind of thing. Like, it'll be a shorthand for just, like, complete, like, wrong turn. There was no no guy in the room. Uh, What's well, like jumping the shark, but you jumped the dick? Yeah. And, and you know, in, in as much as I like to say things like <laughs> everything, everywhere at once, open the door for films like Polite Society to get made. I worry that sometimes things like this close the door for for things like this to continue to get made, even though this was really good. Like learning the wrong lessons, like like oh, let's yeah. just throw in something here for the hell of it. Where it's like, like, you oh, scare no, the studio. Yeah, and they're so easy to scare. Kind of the end of the, uh, the Artur moment of the seventies. Uh, that that big sprawling western that that came out in like nineteen eighty something, like early eighties, uh, with, with like uh, Christopher Walken's in it and. Like everybody's Look, in it. If Harvey Weinstein's dick didn't scare the studios, I don't know how Ari Aster's dad dick can. Good point. Do, do you guys know the story about uh, Willem Dafoe's penis? Yes. Yes, yeah, I do. It's, it's horrifying, right? It's like a, it's it's confusingly large. Was what it was described as when yeah. they had to get a stunt double for the film where he sleeps with Madonna. Yeah, they got a porn actor uh, yeah, to, but, to, for the stunt double. Yeah, because it was described as confusingly large. Well, maybe that's why also when I disturbing. saw, when yeah, I saw um, Willem Dafoe uh, making out with his wife against that car, like near my house, like that, you know, a few years ago, my dad fucking honked and went, Willem, like that. Like, maybe that's why he, uh, they, were, they had such a nice marriage, his confusingly large dick. Oh, yeah. Andy, no, Andy I mean, were you talking yeah. about Heaven's Gate? Is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, that's it. That's it. Heaven's oh, Gate. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. We can all breathe now. Shake it out. <laughs> All right, so this is uh, this is a clip of yeah, shaking off. Indeed, this is this is Nathan <laughs> just like Taylor. Dick Dad does. Oh, <laughs> son, if you're feeling a little wet, shake it shake off. Shake it off. <laughs> but remember, son, no matter how much you shake, wiggle, pounce, the last two drops. <laughs> Give it an extra shake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> how much you jiggle, no matter how much you dance, the last two drops end up down your pants. <laughs> This is so. This is uh, Nathan Fielder asking about the ending. Yeah, what, Which, what by the way, this so is. this this is this, like a clip that I didn't. Uh, well, I might I might pull it for like later or something. But like, there's there's this girl that was really high that watched it, 
and she oh, that asked like a question a- about like edibles and fucking Nathan Fielder puts her on the spot oh, no. and it's like, how do you feel about a high person watching this movie or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> we actually just did one of these Q and A's uh, in another theater. So um, I kind of asked all the things I was interested about <laughs> in that Q&A, and I, I don't have a- anything uh, left. But um, well, I, did, I did just watching the ending, though, again. I watched the movie um, a few nights ago, and um, the final thing there with the boat, what happens with the boat? Sort of like eats him, eats him up or something like. Just you know, it's. I I like you know, I like to think of it as like an ejaculation. (laughs) Uh, The boat isn't ejaculate. It's just, but you know, it just flips so fast. (laughs) It creates a wave that should look a little bit like an ejaculation. Hmm. But he's dead. He's dead. Oh, so that's a bit of a reveal there. You don't know for sure, I guess. And now you. Well, you know, you see it wriggling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you should sort of hear like the death rattle underneath the water. I was actually thinking about it uh, in the shower uh, today. And uh, I was like, oh, the ending is is maybe sort of like. because it starts with him in the womb, and he sort of ends up in a womb. I wasn't thinking that, but like I was thinking like a film nerd might think that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was thinking, oh yeah, that's what someone might, but I knew it was like an ejaculation or whatever. <laughs> uh, but what you just said, I'm hoping that, you know, somebody on YouTube will say that in like three months. Oh, okay. There right. you go. That's, that is, yes. <laughs> and you kind of have that uh, extra microphone on your lap, well, sort of like a, is this No, he's, well, he's not going to answer any questions. It's uh, in his contract, I guess, with you to do this, or part of what he agreed to would not be to do any interviews. Um, so, um, one thing we sort of were talking about, though, because I've exhausted my brain on this, and some of the questions I asked actually in the last screening were really good uh, questions and they really provoked some amazing answers uh, from Ari and uh, you were really articulate about it and kind of the experience of hearing you answer those questions I felt like really elevated the movie to a new level and uh, really made me understand a lot of the things I was confused about. Um, So that was fascinating and I think there were some people that were filming it with their phones in the other one so maybe if you look up on social media, you can uh, see some of the answers to those questions. Um, there you go. Just a regular old discourse. I love, I yeah. love the idea of being like, look, the other Q and A. He answered all my questions. Yeah, so I, they were great. They were, it was awesome. He should have been that one. That was the good. That's one. very on brand for him. He never breaks character. Yeah. I, I'm worried if we ever do like a uh, uh, two shows in one night for, for, for like a live show for Movie Night Extravaganza, I'm going to be just like that in the second one. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm worried about that too. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, let's all have an anxiety attack about that. <clears throat> 
So speaking of live shows, um, and then I want to play one of the Scorsese ones. We are having a live show on, uh, you know, I'd like to announce that now we're going to be on May 23rd at Sanger Hall in Queens. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to be hanging out, watching Mean Streets, and then we're going to talk about it. We have Matthew Film Guy uh, coming. We have one more possible special guest coming that I tagged that I probably shouldn't have, but I was hoping to pressure her into coming. By definitely have, we definitely have Matthew. And we're trying to peer pressure yeah. someone else. And it's a great it. location. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be great. Yep. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. If you, if you ever, if you, if you live in New York and especially Queens and you ever want to be like, I wish I could be in a room with these guys. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll get a chance. <laughs> I wish I could sneak a gun in and kill one of these guys. <laughs> Please don't get me. That's an uh, intrusive thought. Just coming right on into this episode. Exactly. But Sanger Hall is a great place. We'll, uh, you know, we'll be talking about it uh, next next couple weeks too. So mm-hmm. cool, cool. Yeah, I, and there'll I, be some great I, art real soon. I uh, so I hear. I, I poured. I poured That's a little bit on the street. The, the streets that are mean. The titular mean streets. I so poured mean. a little bit of vodka into this cup after being uh, sober for the rest of the episode, and then truth of thought just slipped right out. Right it away. Is. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Cause meet effect. So, um, having just watched that clip, what do you guys feel about the ending? I do feel like that ejaculation does does get to the point of how abrupt and ridiculous it was. Hard not to laugh. Yeah, there's a lot of build up to it, and then it just. <laughs> Roll the credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know how I really feel about the ending. It, it's. It's kind of. Um, I mean, where where could they really have taken it from? Mm-hmm. Him not telling the mom and then getting to the thing and then like where where else could they really have taken it? I mean, it. it, it I think it is a little bit heavy handed to be like, mm-hmm. oh, this is literally his guilt and uh, it's his mom, you know, putting him basically on trial in a court with like a mm-hmm. gladiator type, I guess, situation where everyone was watching him and seeing his guilt from the whole thing. It was almost like Truman, the Truman show a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, his guilt has been proven, right? And again, like yeah. it, it's in it's in the beginning, like what's in the first thing to do? Like the therapist writes down guilty, which of course is a projection, his own projection. And like, like it's like the, the napkin, all the things are written down. Stop incriminating yourself. I think all the yeah, things that are written down are written. literal thoughts. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Huh? And it's like he drowns in his own guilt, if you think of it that way. And mm-hmm. I guess if you're going back to the Joseph Campbell Wait, hero. Did just write, I'm guilty, or did he write guilt? He just writes guilty. He just writes guilty. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we go back to the Joseph Campbell hero story, in order to get to the end, there needs to be like a death rebirth. So... Maybe it's not a finalized death because it seems as though for the first time when the motor's going and all this, he keeps begging, but there's like, oh, he finally calms down and has a breath and then the boat flips. And you could either look at it as like, oh, just another fucking thing that happens to this shit. Or he's finally moving on and he has to, this, this bow has to die. Not sure. Well, yeah. apparently, apparently, one of the uh, the the hour that was cut out of it, he was gonna mm-hmm. go out into open sea, like being like you know the the tranquil ocean, mm-hmm. and then uh, a cruise ship that has like a fictionalized version of Michelle Obama leading exercise direction was gonna encounter him or something. So, are that's you for real? That's I'm reading that right now. Holy shit! <laughs> Which like is a like first triangle of sadness. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Triangle of uh, badness, I guess. I don't There's know. no way to predict what you could have said, and yet here we are. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, and apparently there was a monologue at the end too. So, yeah, whatever. Um, so I mean, uh, I don't know. The, the last thing I think this movie needed was more. I, I think it's fine. You get like the indictment of everything, like like done in a prosecutorial manner, and like you know mm-hmm. this sci-fi water world <laughs> courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> Besides penis dad, is there anything else you guys would cut? <sighs> yeah, we want to circumcise this movie. Just it was a little long. I mean, yeah. Could anything um, else have been trimmed, or was it just pretty good? Beyond well, what do I look like trying to cut things in this movie? Birthday boy, stab man. Hey. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the 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 all the stage play stuff like has to be there. Mm-hmm. Because then it's it's like here's like it's an indictment of the expectations of the viewer, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. if you don't have that there, then it, it's going to come off a little more differently. Yeah. And all that stuff is very well done too. And then again, the 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 way that works narratively is at the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, that's not that's not your story. You didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's well, just another compounding of the indictment, right? Mm-hmm. I would I would also uh, ask, you know, is it really if it's not three hours, is it really like a magnum opus? That's a fair point too. And there's plenty of Marvel movies that are just as long that are not anyone's magnum opus. A lot of Marvel theme parks. No. <laughs> In the words of Scorsese. Um, I I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff you could cut, but like it kind of messes with his overall vision. And I feel like he'd have to be the one to make those decisions. I definitely didn't love the penis dad like that's that's yeah just don't show the attic and don't show penis dad and it's fine Mm -hmm. like it it would it would be yeah we we don't need a resolution of the the vet guy yeah we don't need we don't need his backstory would uh (laughs) would tarantino's version of that be a giant foot in the attic all right are we doing letterbox (laughs) one-liners or what yeah all right, cool. So Letterboxd <laughs> yeah. is a place for film. It's a place for film lovers to talk out with and to each other about the movies, movies they love, the movies they didn't love. Lots of people about that on this one. Uh, and uh, maybe the movies that they got weirdly penis dad aroused for. Who knows? Uh, the of, Everybody gets to have their say, bottom-up democracy, not just the Siskels and Eberts of the world. Um, everybody gets to chime in, talk it out, if you will, maybe to a therapist that's reporting back to your mother or maybe not. And all of this is best expressed succinctly. Succinctly, unlike the runtime of this film. Uh, and uh, put forward in the classic one-liner format. These are the letterbox one-liners for Bo is Afraid. Let's go. When have you ever seen a magnum opus under two hours, though? <laughs> big Brother has become Big Mother, and your father is Jabba the Nut. <laughs> Jabba the Nut. So- I, would, I would have loved if they had it. <laughs> Princess Leia, or like that kind of like. Oh God! Great. If the guy had been like chained yeah. to it. Oh my God! Yeah. Yes. It kind of was though. Brother was slave girl. It was. There were emotional chains. So I mean, he had the very tiny boys' clothing on, so it was a little skin skinny. His 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 dad's like oh go 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 like doing the. Honestly, if you want to do a good job of the hunt, just say that just say that yogurt name, Chobani Han Solo. <laughs> have Chobani all the time. That's great. I would love a Wallace Shawn uh, job of the hut. Like if if they were like, I've got this woman attached to me. Bring me going- Solo. <laughs> you got to put put him in everything. You know, hire him more. Honestly. Well, Solo, you have discovered 
my secret lair. <laughs> Honestly, way, he's a good Sean, comedic actor. He wouldn't have been a bad uh, choice for this movie. Committed, committed democratic socialist with like yeah. a pretty utopian vision of the world that I appreciate a lot. I want to see the, I, the here. Here's the the Lucas cut. I want to see Return of the Jedi is Zwala Sean overdubbing all of Jabba the Hutt's oh dialogue. <laughs> And Cardi B doing everybody. all the laser noises. Well, Solo, he's like, he's like, you must face the pit. <laughs> <laughs> this thing is going to fuel the Indian explained economy for decades. Dude, it already is. Like, I, I read multiple of like because the night of, I was trying to think through. I wasn't trying to think through. Like, I didn't want some journalist. I didn't want some blue check journalist. <laughs> What's up, liberal journalist? The lying fake news media to uh, to tell me what to think about this movie. But I was kind of looking for a jumping off point to write the intro to, and, and yeah. finally uh, there was a box box explainer that did a good job with the Joseph Campbell stuff. Which, you know, once once I had that Joseph Campbell seed, I didn't really read the entire thing. It was very long, but once I had that seed, it kind of gave me stuff to think about. Um, but like, there are so many. A lot of them are very like simplistic. It's like, what was what was is, is afraid explained, and then they just explain what happened in the movie, and you're like, I watched Tell the you. movie. If I, 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 I was not me understand it. Rose. The boat like, flips uh, over, and then it stops being credits. <laughs> I, I was looking for uh, Ben Shapiro's like you know tweet thread about like Bo is afraid oh. is bad. No, but no. He's a giant. Well, he's he's a small dick. But We've he, already talked about yeah. We already talked about dicks enough. Let's move on. But yeah. you know who I would love to hear uh, uh, David Lynch's feelings on this film because he's a director for whom I'm often like, can someone please explain that? It was ending? fantastic. But I love him. But also like what? He's like this movie needed more panties. Too straightforward. It was needed more Isabella Rossellini. By the way, I was stalling because one of them didn't upload. Uh, so here it is. There we go. Everyone is out to get you except Parker Posey. Well He's done. Out to get you laid. Yeah, well done. Brown chicken. Well, well. Parker Posey. Dude, I, what, do you, what do you guys? I didn't think about this until we were talking about it, but it, it's almost like he's such a toxic figure that like the cum is like like I feel like the cum is because because she talks about how the the condom broke mm-hmm. and like it, it shoots through the condom. It's almost like he's his. Like his inability to mentally comprehend anything is so toxic that, like, almost that kills her. Like, (laughs) yeah. Anytime something even remotely weird happened, the old people in front of me were like, oh, geez. So, as you can imagine, (laughs) it was quite often. They didn't laugh at all the appropriate times, though. So, I feel like they were into it. This makes me want a version of this movie with everyone that's Fargo accents. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Not a penis again. <laughs> that is or, such a... Or, a, or a remake of this movie, but it's uh, Martin Freeman, uh, his his character in like the in first Fargo. season of Fargo. Yeah. Uh, just like being like, oh, oh, God. Oh, jeez. Because that character doesn't really make... I mean, he makes bad decisions throughout that uh, series. But, like, sure does. He, he, tries to make, he tries to do the bow where he's like, tries to make it seem like nothing that happens in that show to him is his fault. Yeah, uh, and then so there's finally he finally um is in the elevator at the end with uh Billy Bob Thornton. He's like you have to choose, and his choice gets like gets fucking Stephen Root like shot in the head, and the woman he's with or whatever. You know what I mean? Like so that's like almost like a Bo's Afraid style. Uh, like if he if he actually does make a choice, the final choice is like a, like everybody in the elevator fucking dies. Mm. 
the longest and most bizarre Viagra ad I have ever seen. <laughs> you know, not wrong. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, <laughs> it, it makes more sense. Oh, than for Christ's sake. <laughs> this, what dreams may come. <laughs> By the way, that's Randy from Chatpile who's coming on the week after Sam Cedar. So nice. Although I'm kind of caught up in the Sam Cedar of the of the moment. I know you are. <laughs> I'm actually like I'm very excited for that, and it's it's like it feels like it's just been something that's uh, been very in the works for a really long time. Yeah. So like to see it actually like manifesting feels uh, I don't know. I think it'll be good. I think it's gonna be a good that's episode. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, that is Leprechaun as his uh, uh, avatar there, too. <laughs> this you felt like better. a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode from hell. <laughs> yeah. I actually forgot about this. I pulled these too, too long ago. I forgot about that when I mentioned Curb Your Enthusiasm. My bad. <laughs> wow, his dad's a total dick. Anyway. Damn. All right. That's All right, fine. let's do it again. Action. What? <laughs> Yeah, how are you the one yelling over? You're the one pushing the button. <laughs> wow, his dad's a total dick. They <laughs> said it like seventeen times on the show. <laughs> what By are the, way, the tags ha- underneath it? I saw Pedro Pascal. That's very weird. Oh, so so those are all people that were at different premieres of. Yeah. Uh, ah. those There's a picture of like Jenna Ortega at the premiere. I mean, Nathan Fielder obviously interviewed him. Uh, I still don't know who Phoebe Bridgers is. Everyone references that name, and I kind of, at this point, almost think it's like uh, my own version of a meme that I don't know who that is, <laughs> because I'm just always like, yeah. I don't know her. That, that it's, should it's, be your movie. It's, it's uh, yeah, doesn't a, know who Phoebe Bridgers is. A young, a younger musician. There was a, a small um, upset when she broke a guitar on a some late night show, and a bunch of people. Oh, who got is mad SNL? If I remember correctly, doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I like the custom Not poster here. Name. The custom poster, the allergy relief is on the way. Custom poster here is pretty good. It's a good feature. All right. Move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that when I was pulling, well, not pull, you pulled them, but when I was doing the graphics on them, I noticed that one and I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's literally his. That's like one of the ads. Yeah, there it is in the house. It's pretty good. Something he doesn't have the entire movie is a relief. That's right. Mm-hmm. Birthday boy stab man. <laughs> that's yeah. all you need to know. I appreciate like the four and a half too because that's like this movie is somewhere I think between a four and a four and a half for me like um just I I you know what like there's sometimes where I where I just appreciate like the attempt even Mm -hmm. if not everything absolutely like whenever someone's like oh this is my magnum opus like I automatically want to rate it higher because I'm like all right so you're you're this is like an artistic statement like nobody asks if you're if you Nobody are a, like, anymore. <laughs> if you're like a, um, you know, a sculptor or something, or if you are like a, a, a painter, right. And you create like this, you know, this dazzling kind of artistic statement um, that, that seems like the, the, the bar is a lot lower sometimes than like a filmmaker putting something out there. I mean, like, this is my artistic statement. Like it, it's hard to pan someone's uh, magnum opus. I- I'll say that, I think you can have, you absolutely can have a five star movie with Birthday Boy Stabman. In fact, I encourage it. But <laughs> but you cannot have a five star movie that has penis dad in it. For my my taste, sorry. I just don't like that they're CGI in these penises now. 
or like you know exactly. I, <laughs> whatever happened to feel practical effects for penises i i do i do appreciate uh the fact that they they convinced fucking uh joaquin phoenix to go like full frontal for that one scene where he and birthday boy sad man are both running around with their dicks out yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> It's good, good I, time for floppy dick combat. <laughs> That's what he should have used. Bah, like stopped the. Stopped it's like that John Ritter movie where they got the glow in the dark condoms. Right. <laughs> Don't worry, the funny Ari Aster movie is still a three-hour waking nightmare. <laughs> it is though. That's that's the most true review. Just a statement of facts. Yeah. Although yeah. I'll hand it to uh, Midsommar. Funny moments in that too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't stop laughing when that girl lost her head and and, uh, had hereditary. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Those are the letterbox one-liners for Bones Afraid. When I when I the first time I watched uh, Hereditary, by the way, now that I've done that, I um I hid like because I watched it with my mom. I hid in the living room and went. Oh, that's messed up. And then she screamed. That's messed up. Please follow the show. That's the torturous hero Flacco. Take it with water over there. Moving to extravaganza. I can't wipe. There we go. <laughs> Got it. Over like there. Like an Egyptian. <laughs> exactly. Follow the show. I am, of course, at Kona Neutron. Drink this paint with me and follow me on Letterboxd uh, because I'm all over that biz doing the highbrow, the midbrow. Follow the Criterion Challenge along with me. Uh, I you you got to do it in the... Drink this fucking paint with me. Drink, Drink this, this paint with me. Follow, <laughs> follow this letterbox account. Yeah. Uh, J. Andrew, birthday boy, stab man down there. Lost his keys as well. But he is on letterbox watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe so you can. Who am I to judge? He's yeah, there I doing just, it. I just found uh, Raven, the, the uh, TV pilot, was on Amazon. And I was like, yes. That's, that's, so, that's so Raven. <laughs> it is so well done. Yeah, no, no. This is about ninjas. That is uh, okay. Good. We appreciate the clarification. Thank Raven, you. Raven, Raven, that's a Raven. We don't want people watching the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> there were uh, mullets and ninjas. That's all you need to know. People are talking about it more and more. Uh, KT, little dead creature down there, uh, has a dad that is a giant dick as well. Um, <laughs> am I clear? Do I have a security clearance to talk about the fact that uh, you may or may not be on the thing that the film people are on, or no? You may or may not be on the thing that the film people are on. I don't even know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. I don't know what you're talking about, but totally. KT, KT has a letterbox that counts. Jesus. Oh, God. yeah. I, I didn't think it was that oblique of a reference. <laughs> this is supposed to be the letterbox segment of the show. but I've uh, put so much of my brain into trying to understand this movie. I have nothing left. <laughs> under, understood. understood. But, but I am but on Letterboxd, and, and I have made my first letterboxed. For this very movie. Very exciting. So follow KT on there. Ah, birthday boy stab man, take it away. All right, you're uh, watch us on YouTube. Please do those YouTube things: like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell, and the big ask is uh, like Bo was afraid. Watch this video to the end um, because uh, unlike Bo was afraid, we give you music. That's right, and it's a great song by Conan Neutron. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. I don't. I don't just ask you to drink paint with me. Sometimes I provide a <laughs> lovely theme song. Yes, yes. Um, find us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, um, and, and uh, that's where you can find most of our uh, posts. Uh, we we 
chat with people on these things. Uh, so, so you know, leave us comments on there too if you want to. Um, more likely to respond than we do on YouTube because I don't think we respond to anybody on YouTube. I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, no, no, we, we really do appreciate. Is this a like, hint? Uh, Is this a hint for us? Like, well, no, talk I about the Patreon. A couple of our big big spending, uh, you know, because we didn't really do that much uh, Patreon content last uh, last month. So a couple of our like bigger uh, people ended up for financial difficulties or whatever having to cancel. So I'm going to be shilling the Patreon more because I require, you know, uh, that to help the show keep going. That's literally um, my next slide. So yeah. you know, my, my, my next part of the notes. Um, yeah, you have the like, Fantasia you know, intro on here. When's the last time you updated this? Yeah, I need to, I need to, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's over a year ago. That part, but, but, uh, no, so we have, we have the Andy Kindler after party. Oh yeah, we had like one after party in two months. Okay. That makes sense. Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, but like, so we have the Andy Kindler. But it's, but it's uh, worth five. That one is very funny. Well, we're going to start doing them again. It's just uh, this month. I mean, you know, Conan, with you running around doing music stuff with running around. Not wanting to sit, uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Running around. Doing Stabbing people naked. It's not even your fucking birthday. <laughs> what? You're setting up. You're setting up Caterwall. Stuff. You know, like, it's not just I'm not like if you were running around doing shows, I wouldn't say like, you're, you know, yeah. you're setting up logistics. No, no, I, I, I get it. Yeah. He's I'm robbing going, banks on Scooby's not going in addicts where, uh, you know. So if you're not a member of the Patreon and you watch this show regularly, please become a member of the Patreon, at least for right now. Um, we had 17 people that were on it. Now we're back up to 16. I've been plugging it hard. Good, good, So good. Uh, that's cool. So but... is Dick Dad. <laughs> He's been plugging it hard. Plugging it hard. Yeah. Just like a Dick Dad should. Okay. Yes. But but uh, the big thing too is uh, it is Bandcamp Friday, so if you uh, yes. haven't gotten enough of uh, Conan Neutron and you need more, and I know you do, um, and you like that song and you need more, and I know you do, uh, go to uh, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com, and you can get the entire discography of Conan Neutron for twenty five dollars, people. The digital download, it's great. You can listen to it on your computer. You can listen to it on your phone. You can listen to wherever you go, yeah, uh, and is. you get all the music, all the artwork. You even some artwork from me in there. It's great. That's right. That's You'll right, love yeah. it. You got you got Cry Boys. You got Dangerous Nomenclature. You got Dark Passengers. You got Protons and Electrons, the compilation. You got The Art of Murder. You got The Enemy of Everyone, and Perfectly Reasonable Deviations from the Beaten Track. Which and is if the that's not though. enough. You can also go to Action Chief. Get more Conan Neutron. That's right. Uh, Right, right on the action chief page. If you're is, like, this uh, guy's a good guitarist, but I wish he'd shut the hell up with these vocals. And there you go. I don't sing in that band. You're like, <laughs> if, you're, if you're like, uh, you know, if you're like, I like this, but where are the solos? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah. it's just, just the solos. solos. Yeah, it's the name of the record. It's the name of the I record, KT. That's just, why that's funny. I wish this was just solos. Why? Why? I paid $25 and there's this is the amount of solos I get. Well, you can also get action chief and have it just be. The solos yeah which is not at all what's on the record but yeah but it is the name of the record so. <laughs> I, i'm actually kind of holding out to the follow-up for just the bridges yeah, but. Exactly. i actually went the first iteration of that band uh i just at first i thought i was gonna play bass but every song that we wrote sounded like the bridge to a song so i said we should call this we'd call this band bridge to nowhere <laughs> yo I, I want i want an action chief uh rap collaboration called just the hooks 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the remix album. (laughs) And recently. Uh, But the big thing, of course, we we, uh, talked about that's not, you know, if if you can wait. Uh, I mean, you know, honestly, you should do the Bandcamp Friday because the big thing about Bandcamp Friday is that the artists get all of the money as opposed to uh, every other day where they just get some of the money. It does Uh, make a difference, too. Yeah, really, it really does. So, you know, uh, support support your local musicians. Uh, support your local to, Neutron. Just yeah, me. No one else. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But buy Conan's album. Buy, buy Action Chief. I got enough. If you got money left um, yeah, yeah. after subscribing to uh, Movie Night Extravaganza, uh, buy all this music. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of other stuff like uh, uh, feature guest. Um, uh, what, what? I'm sorry, Chat Pile. Oh, Chat uh, uh, Randy uh, from uh, Chat Pile. Yeah, Reagan Bush. Yeah. Yeah, so so you know you can get that right. Get it today after you buy Conan stuff, and then you know you could be all ready for our chat pile episode. So you're talking about the the Patreon for you shifted over to Protonic Reversal now, right? I should shift over to Protonic Reversal because right. because that was a big fucking deal this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That heard of him Slayer on. Yeah, it's we're great. gonna have some uh, clips coming soon of that. And, exactly. Is it yeah. awesome, dude? Uh, yeah, broke news with that too, didn't you? And got credited. That's the that's that's the key difference. This time I yeah. got credited, <laughs> which is they linked back, and I was like, "Thank you." First I was, time in I, was so, I was so uh, <laughs> like cautious about trying to phrase that right. Where I was like, yeah. "Music journalists don't always give you know credit where it's yeah. due to small independent podcasts." And I was like, and I was just sitting there for like fifteen minutes, like looking at the wording, and being like, "Okay, right?" Because you don't want yeah, you don't want to piss them off, right? But it's, it's also like. Yeah, that is the first time in nine years, and I've broken news plenty of times before. Well, because so. I was also tagging you in it, and I was like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. What music going. <laughs> like, yo, Conan's co-host on that movie podcast is a dick to music journalist. We're never saying his name on anything again. Shadow <laughs> band, blackball. <laughs> See, now we're both afraid in this whole yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, how bad could it get? And then also, you're naked, and yeah, it's a yeah. bathtub. Oh, and, and Andy's camera went out in the middle of the plugs. Oh, that happened last week. By uh, music journalists who are saying everything except your name. That's that's right. the Conan exactly. version of Bo's brain. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the na- that is the man above his bathtub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also had uh, Brett Bradford from uh, Scratch Acid on this last um, and uh, Suckling and premiered a video with uh, David Yao and um, David William Sims and all the the Scratch Acid guys. It was great. Got to premiere a video on the show for the first time. Nice. So that, that was good and. People that know that there was a few moving extravaganza people in the in the chat for that, so it's a big deal for the people that it's a big deal for, and that was nice to do that. Awesome! It's, it's a great nice. video too. It's hilarious. Um, Christina's not here, but I am going to ask for people uh, if you can after buying all of Conan's music and after uh, you know buy uh, tickets buy for Catterall twenty twenty three. Yes, instead of a Yes, get those tickets. <laughs> See, I was ready that time. <laughs> yes. We never get off my plugs. I did too much crap. Uh, but yeah, buy, buy tickets for Catawall, which is going to be a big fucking deal. Uh, Flipper. I think uh, both you and Nick's are going to be there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be putting us to work. You're damn right. It's not going to be like this. <laughs> not be like this show scampering around like Bo and no direction. Hey, I, I I do work to put this show together. It might not Scampering around. <laughs> Drawing Scamp- intricate paintings. Scamper- making edited interviews. Now, do I scamper quite a bit? Scampering course. is my favorite term because there's something so insulting about, like, this, this like, the, like, 
how unimportant it is. The length like, of your steps. It yeah. also uh, it also connects to this movie because when they're giving the the eulogy for uh, or whatever, like the when he's listening to the eulogy that he misses for his mom, it's like she was afraid of squirrels. Is like the one detail that you. <laughs> that's right yeah yeah, when i i what the first animal i think of was scampering well i mean because i live upstate i don't live in the city is uh you know is a squirrel what you know of course i do have squirrels in the city no i know but like i feel like the first thing you think of was scampering in the city is rats i don't we don't i I haven't really oh sure especially in new york yeah, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. there's no other cities. That's just the only city. <laughs> yeah, as every New Yorker thinks, right? City. Yeah, they say which, it's a which hell the, the only the only outcome of of that thought process is that everybody thinks people in New York are assholes. Like everybody that is not in New York. I mean, I and that like, that is not an intrusive thought. That's just fact. I think everybody <laughs> in New York, like I don't like you can tell when people from the city come up here. You know, the the mm-hmm. hour and a half drive. Because yeah. they try not to stop for you when you're trying to cl- like, and there's there's signs. This is like a small town, so there's like signs where it's like stop for pedestrians. You yeah, can yeah. tell who's from the city. Did you start to cross? And they they're like, oh, I fucking dare you! Like I want yeah. to hit you. And that's the difference between you know. Wow. So even even within New York, there's gradations. I think of how sure. much of an asshole you could be. Um, I want to also say that I think that this is the funniest thing in the entire uh fucking world. But um, so the first. Uh, so we were, we were plugging our Sam Cedar episode because uh, Andy mentioned Christina. So mm-hmm. we were plugging our Sam Cedar episode, you know, last week or whatever. And um, someone else plugged it for us, like Marcos did. And he was like, Sam Cedar's going to be on. And Sam Cedar retweeted the video of our Jay Leno uh, after party yeah. bit. That's the first video. So I was <laughs> so I was making fun of Christina. And I was like, the first time Sam Cedar ever sees you. And it's you and Andy Kindler going, Doing the, doing the which, which was it was actually me and Andy Kindler doing that. But I mean, all, she was, was she was she was, chi- she was chiming in. We were doing the most pronounced ones, but definitely, yeah, yeah. wasn't I, like some Christina looking magnificent, you know. Yeah, but I was like, that's the first thing. All three, all three of you did, but it's like that's the first time Sam Cedar probably ever, maybe ever watched a video of Christina, and it's all you guys going <laughs> making fun of Jay Leno, basically. <laughs> It's a meat cute. I don't. I don't trust the view. I think Andy fell asleep. Andy, you got any more plugs? What is what's yeah, happening right now? I, I uh, certainly do. Uh, Christina, but I think right? we kind of covered it a little bit with the live show. With the yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, I don't, okay, I don't necessarily do trust you have anything you views, But it says twenty-one thousand people have watched you guys doing that Jay Leno version. That's so many. That's more than a Jay Leno episode. <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough boomers alive to watch the uh... <laughs> wow now, now I'm only of them yeah, yeah so you just keep re- reloading it re- <laughs> you've got 19,000 different computers set up so you get unique views because you're smart about that shit yeah but just for Jay Leno related content well I'm, I'm like those uh, I'm like whatever you see guys in the movie that are like checking those and, and Watchmen the surveillance, oh, yeah. like videos in a compound or whatever, where there's just a bunch of screens, but they're all just you guys doing the Jay Leno impression. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's an intrusive thought. <laughs> so, Katie, uh, you got anything or, or what, what's going I, on? I do not have anything to plug right now. Uh, yeah, no. But but you should go on YouTube, check out Girl in the Basement. You can watch mm-hmm. that for free, and it's yep. a fantastic movie. Um, yeah. Check it out. It's it's not too long. It's only about thirty two minutes long. It's fun. Uh, actually, that, that, the artist. That's just how long the Dick Dead scene felt in this in this movie to me. That's how right. it felt. 
Yo, recently it cracked me the fuck up um, when Jared posted that thing about girl in the basement. He's like, yeah, like whenever I'm trying to like, you know, talk to someone, like talk to some girl and I'm like sending they them my, up on my page. page. And it's the first thing they see first is girl in the basement. He is, again, like like Ari Aster, he is an incredibly hilarious person to write so many horrific things that he does. Yeah. He, he's also like, could be in any writer's room, especially if you follow follow him on Twitter. He's a hilarious follow, uh, in my opinion. Um, as I say, yes, I'm also on Letterboxd now. So yes. I will start reviewing stuff so you can see the melange of weird shit I watch. And, and go with that. Um, but the artist who did the theme song for Girl in the Basement has a new album that will be about to come out uh, under the name Vespertina. So I would check her out as well if you liked Girl in the Basement. Just keep plugging all the people around us uh, that are doing awesome stuff. And uh, keep remind, you know keep reminding everyone of the name Garrett Skolnick and uh, Girl in the Basement. Just connect those things. As Just constantly. Much as- Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he, he, it was so real it felt like he was actually keeping me in that basement <laughs> i saw uh when i was in la recording <laughs> wait why does it sound like a it sounds like one of those uh cable tv ads hi have you ever been kept in a basement sure we all have yeah. <laughs> in fact yes i have if uh, you I too sp- have been, call this number for the, the basement. We're doing a class action suit. <laughs> if you would like the true basement experience, please seek out Jared Skolnick yeah. and um, his basement experiences. They're doing the class action suit with the uh, with the with the Tylenol and autism like near me, like in, in like the next to the mall. It's literally like the sketchy mall lawyers, and there's the this big fucking sign. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a Godspeed You Black Emperor track where it's like 23 minutes long because there's no way anything else would work. Or I was thinking of like looping elevator music. Or, or, or just play, uh, you know, Medicated to the One You Love by uh, um, uh, God Loves Underwater and that'd be perfect. Or the music when they put you on hold and you're waiting for somebody like a tele. tele- <laughs> Caller number 153. Estimated wait time is 47 minutes. But, uh, so there's this giant billboard, like headline thing or whatever that's like, if you've taken Tylenol and you have autism, let us know. Contact us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you, may be, yeah. you may be entitled to compensation. <laughs> Which, uh, I guess, fair. I don't know. So, I was just going to say, because apparently we did, we're off the rails anyway. I saw. We were uh, so fucking off the rails. We were talking about Jared and how he keeps girls in the basement. It's bad for his dating habits. And he should probably stop doing that. Uh, remember, I saw the most Jared, recent John Wick with him. Jared that's what I was going to say. In the theater. Oh, that's awesome. Tie how- those yeah. things together. Jared. <laughs> Which was like the last thing I did before leaving LA from recording was I went. Was it one of the showings with his uh, John P. W. Herman uh, short? No. Okay. Yeah, because the the Alamo Draft House was showing his uh, short film. He filmed. uh, It's a Metroplex in Burbank, man. I I didn't see anything anything cool. It was just like I was like I like it'd be cool to see a movie. Like there's like there was like three movies I wanted to see in the theater and like Mm -hmm. at the time. So that one seems like a fun one to see too. It's great, enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, if you movie podcast, are you on a break? Well, do you want to go see an extra movie? (laughs) (laughs) 
and not have to talk to people and get off topic about it. Come on down <laughs> the the Burbank <laughs> Metroplex. <laughs> we promise we won't tell unless you do. <laughs> you are a viewer number 273. Yo, I love the uh the Sopranos episode where he's missing to fucking Dr. Melfi and he's like, they say your call's important to us, but then why don't they pick up? <laughs> did, did you see that the huge piles of spaghetti were found all over New Jersey? Yeah. <laughs> No, now it's like a, an EPA matter because they were put into the water system. It's a super fun <laughs> site now. <laughs> yeah, did you see my tweet about it? I just said New Sopranos just dropped. You know, there's uh, I, I can imagine like the EPA, like, because uh, you know they have like, their own police force kind of thing. So EPA police cops come in and they're like, we've heard about Gabagool put into the water system. <laughs> I, mean, I would have to, I would have to accuse a Pastafarian first, to be honest. Exactly. Thank you. It's a whole religious movement. It's domestic terrorism from Pastafarians. Exactly. Jaman, we be putting ravioli in the in the water supply. Forget about fluoride. We put marinara in the water, in the water supply. <sighs> Anything else, Andy? I think that's it. <laughs> I was like going to land it well, and then you know we just we're now like bad boys, bad boys. We like needed to cool. end it as surreally as the cool. movie we're reviewing. I know we're, 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 it's, 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 the runtime is about the same at this point. We're getting close. Wait, yeah, well, yeah. You know? there, there's time. Like there's a part of my brain that's always like, hey, if a movie is three hours, like it might be a three hour stream. Like I, I don't know why that's that's my intrusive thought. <laughs> <laughs> bad boys, bad boys. Maybe gobble we should do gobble gobble put it in the pool. Bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> see, I feel like, see, I feel like the after parties are just part of the show now. Is what I feel like. I think People that yeah, that. you get like I a, mean, yeah. If I know down. there's an after party, I a lot of times I will uh, keep it like keep some of the stuff for that. Um, when Andy Kindler was on, honestly, the reason that I didn't go, hey. We should definitely do an after party if like ahead of the curve or whatever was uh because I was like, oh Andy can't like he's like, you know, he's a big enough deal that like he was on like Everyone Loves Raymond, he was on yeah. the Daily Show. Bob's Burgers. Of Waverly Place. Like, I, I was like, I was like, he's not gonna want to hang out with us for like an extra hour. And then he was like, He totally did. And, he was like, Yeah, yeah. Like, I know it was so much fun to watch. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I was I was more nervous about having him on than I am about having Sam Cedar on. For the reason that, like, I've been on streams with Sam Cedar before, and mm -hmm. I know that he, like, kind of just rolls with the punches. I didn't know if that was going to be, like... Yeah, you never quite... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Some people, you, like, you're not sure how hard you can play with them, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, how... how, how he's going to one thing that he bursts out laughing. <laughs> I was like, all right, this is going to be good. Yeah. By the way, uh, my Bo is Afraid uh, remake is uh, Will Smith playing Bo. And like, so he has his own rap song. He's like, my name is Bo and I'm feeling afraid. My mom said I'd die if I ever got laid. So I keep running up and down the block, trying not to show Parker Posey my cock. <laughs> there, you there you go, folks. Yeah. That, that should be on one of those Vox explainers. <laughs> and that, and this is those 15 seconds. This is what the movie is about. Do you, do you not, do you not, the, the, uh, it's like a, an Eastern European Vox. They're explaining things. <laughs> They're like, yeah. 
Narrated by Christopher Walken? Yeah, I, I, am, I am feeling very, very wonky today. There's, there's more ideas in this bit than there are in this movie we're covering, frankly, right now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, now that we're done with the plugs, I don't know. Apparently. It's been long. What's next? No. Yeah. Oh, final thoughts. Actually, wait. I actually had one more clip I wanted to play. Oh. Um, oh, this, yeah. this is one of the Scorsese ones, and it's on editing. And uh, I forgot that I had this. So this is on uh, editing and storytelling. And I thought that this was like really relevant to our conversation earlier. So this new this new uh, layout thing, they really keep the cinema one in the way. Again, remarkable to me, uh, the way you compose and cut and slight pans here and there, but very sharp, cool, you know, that sort of thing. Very precise. Do you um, do you lay this stuff out in a planning way before? I mean, that's a very stupid question, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, especially in the last two, I, I I blocked it all out in advance and and and, and shot this the whole thing. And I, I did the same thing on this one, but I came in with the intention to throw it away. Um, so just have it in my back pocket. But I also knew that I wouldn't really fly with Joaquin. Um, so I just, I, I never, I tried to never betray that I had a plan. And don't tell them. Yeah. <laughs> my thing is just the opposite. I don't have a plan. I don't mess around with the pen. And, uh, except for my actors. It's a different thing. I have to do something special with the plan. I beg uh, their indulgence, really. And they can do it for me great. By moving the camera a certain way, they have to be in a place, like move backwards and forwards at the same time. You know, ask these stupid things for them to do their amazing. But no, I always I draw the pictures and now they become little drawings. But the reason is that they were um, back in the 60s, it was so low budget and so little time to shoot. I wanted to make sure. And I was very, very um, taken with the uh, Russian montage. And so the breaking up of the frame, perforation by perforation, you know, someone that exactly. And uh, I did a lot of that for a while. But then it's counted with very long takes and dialogue scenes. So, but that's, um, yeah, that, that's, I know what you mean, because then, yeah, I think you're, you're locking them into a certain point, and you're not even looking, you know. But I wanted to, to point out, though, that when I first saw the film, not knowing what the hell the film was going to be, um, the first thing that came to mind was, um, uh, it was such a major shift from, it seems like maybe shift from hereditarian midsummer um, in style and genre. And I've had to tell you, just over the past 30 years of reading a lot, and I fell in love with Don Quixote and um, a raffle translation, and a raffle, great translation, and Christopher uh, Shandy. Uh, and it's really, really like these are like 18th century British novels like Tom, Tom Jones, Henry Fielding. Progress things with this sort of, you know, this sort of mock hero. Um, there is no plot, really. It's all adventures. And uh, uh, I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on that in terms of when you were structuring the script. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, it is a picaresque. And uh, if anything, that, that, that was the thing that excited me the most here was what I. It could do with structure and um, 
uh, even just the way this kind of peace emotionally right in the middle, or past the middle, yeah, the, uh, in, in the forest, and then from there it's, it's like a descent. But, but no, I, I, I love Lawrence Stern and, and, and Trish and Shandy, you know, just that, that's, uh, that uh, like stream of consciousness, that non sequitur style storytelling, and just, I mean, I, I always think about when Trish and Shandy, the uh, um, the accidental circumcision. Right? Oh, God, yes. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I thought it was uh, pretty interesting. He explicitly compared it to Don Quixote. And, uh, you know, that kind of um, imagined uh, odyssey, right? Like, yeah. That, I, as, like, you know, as kind of a takedown of the fucking Spanish Empire, but um, like that—that that kind of like th this is a character that's trying to uh, work his way mentally through like the classic hero's journey kind of thing, but kind of mm -hmm. failing at it, and literally is tilting at the windmills. The like, but except for you know, Bo doesn't really tilt; he doesn't really move. That would require <laughs> a decision. <laughs> Well, he's, he's fighting an imaginary monster. We, we get to constantly in Don Quixote bo both see what he's experiencing and see the reality, whereas we don't we don't get that in this film. But we yeah. we do kind of feel that it's there. Well, but like, and it's the surrealist element of, oh, yeah. uh, you know, kind of being within the, the, the psychology of somebody that is um, literally kind of tilting at windmills. I mean, Wimbles being their mother, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, and ironically, <clears throat> that's a film that Terry Gilliam tried to and didn't quite totally succeed at doing. So yeah, it's the well, surrealist stories that circle around uh, the same sort of directors. Yeah. yeah. But uh, KT, do you have final thoughts? Uh, anything that we didn't get to for this film? Um, you know, I guess... <clears throat> My final thought for this film would definitely be I'm not sure I can recommend this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I know why this film was made. And I get, yeah, I definitely love the idea of any artist getting to have a magnum opus. But also, like, it costs so much money. It takes so many people to make a particular film. And I, you know, like, it was very, it was very evocative. It was very well done. It's definitely a class on how to make films. But if you're not the kind of person for whom that's why you go to a movie, this is going to be really uncomfortable, and you're going to be upset for maybe like a day and a half afterwards. And I'm not sure that's an experience people pay for. Well, some people no. <laughs> some, I mean, this bitch right here did, and would probably do it again. Um, so yeah, I'm really conflicted with this movie. And I think that that's often something I feel with Ari Aster where like, this is good, but maybe it's like a very intense flavor. Maybe I'm the only person who likes anise in a biscuit. And so maybe I shouldn't tell people to make this recipe. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, so I, so I have a question. How much of this did you know going into it that it was going? Because I mean, we've been talking about it in the chat, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I saw it Saturday, Conan saw it Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then you guys saw it. Thursday, right? Mm -hmm. Like so, there's been a, a gap, I guess, in between when all of us have seen it. Mm -hmm. um, when did when did you know that you were making this commitment, or did you did you know that you were making this kind of commitment to something that uh, emotionally kind of brings you through this? Nope, no idea whatsoever. Just knew it was going to be the next movie that Ari Aster made, and that that well, Keith Phoenix was in it, and I also knew when the movie was going to be, and that was it. 
Because the, re the reason that I asked that is that um, I guess A24 not wanting people to wander into something that they couldn't, uh, which mm. they also did Uncut Gems, I'm pretty sure. Like yeah. another mm. movie that's like a, a full-blown panic attack that you're, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're watching, at least if you, you know, take edibles before it, like I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, I they explicitly advertised it. I didn't know anything about it besides... Like when they first, I mean, I knew it was Ari Aster, but then they also kind of advertised it as like, hey, like this is something, like, this is going to be a panic attack. Like we are trying, like this movie is going to make you anxious. They kind of, I mean, not really like as a trigger warning, but like just kind mm -hmm. of in their marketing, I guess. So mm -hmm. like, I was like, okay, the two things I know is that there's going to be anxiety uh, to it and it's Ari Aster. And I was like, well, I don't love the anxiety part because I already have mm -hmm. it. But like I do, I mean, Ari Aster's like an amazing, like modern director. So mm -hmm. I wanted to do it for that reason. But mm -hmm. like, I kind of had to prepare myself beforehand being like, I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know anything about it besides like, there's a mom somewhere involved in it. And I didn't watch the trailer. I made sure not to. I mm -hmm. didn't watch anything about it. I didn't read anything about it besides that. Like, this is a panic attack and you should watch it. Like, <laughs> yeah, but also historically with horror films, there's so many horror films that make some ridiculous, ridiculous claims like paranormal mm -hmm. activity will say that you're going to puke or run out of the theater. This, this is a full blown disturbing un, un like just mind blowing experience. And then you go watch it and you're like, eh, it was a movie. Yeah. Well, I well, so, do like the psycho thing, decades, right? decades later, a lot mm -hmm. of times. Right, like, yes, this movie comes with a barf bag that's personalized yeah. with the movie itself on it. Right. So well, you know, we, we like we talked about, we talked about that with uh, Billy Friedkin recently and uh, The Exorcist, and uh, you know, the they're like people have had heart attacks in the theater. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and so, how do you go to choose to see to watch a movie like that? First of all, that sets an unrealistic expectation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can think of so many people for whom I know would really just not like this movie. That being yeah. said, I really did like this movie. <laughs> so conflicting. Oh, that's great on you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, if you're interested in film at all, at all, and you think you can handle having a, being upset for that long or maybe taking it in parts and streaming, I would watch this movie. Yeah, and if, if you really, I mean, if you're not someone that, it's going to panic to the level where it becomes unsafe or something like i think yeah. the theater is a really amazing like the fact that you can't stop things from working and my phone's broken right now so like i didn't even have the ability to like scroll my phone because it doesn't work right now um i gotta like i'm about to get a replacement for it i have like insurance or whatever but like it the battery or something is fucked up on it so like if i don't plug it in it doesn't work Mm -hmm. So, like, I didn't have even the option to, like, look down at my phone, scroll through it or whatever, and uh, then look back, back up at the movie if I needed a break. Like, I was just locked in. Mm -hmm. And definitely go see this movie soon because they're pulling back show times at different locations. It might not be out for soon, for too long. Like, if you're interested, go see it. Yeah. For sure. I hope this, uh, well, we spoiled it for anyone that hasn't. If you've listened to this point, it's completely ruined. But yeah, if you've just booped right in, or if we I, cut this out to make a, a jaunty little thing, like of us being like, look I at this like YouTube. a giant tip for that. Uh. <laughs> is my middle name. <laughs> yes. But uh, but Conan, you got some final thoughts on? This? I think you mean Conan Jaunty Neutron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Conan Jauntron. <laughs> 
This is uh, one of the biggest swings that I've seen in a very long time. You know, we, as we mentioned, it's a uh, bottled anxiety for at least an hour and a half, and it has some of the greatest caricatures of urban danger outside of a Republican campaign ad. Um, so, I, I did. I liked that. I liked that letterbox review. I did. There you go. It's uh, you know, it's very immersive and expressive surrealism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I laughed a lot during this, mm-hmm. long and loud, and then sometimes I was the only one laughing, and I give. No cares whatsoever about that. I think this is the best paranoid surrealism I've seen in a long time. And uh, very fever dreamish. It makes Hereditary and Midsommar look like straightforward tentpole action films. <laughs> uh, it's introspection taken to Kafka-esque uh, absurdity. And I think Phoenix is really great in this. I think the whole cast is great. Uh, you know the scene I don't like <laughs> in there. But this is... I. I so far, this is, I think, my favorite film of the year. We'll see. Ooh. The, the, the year is young. It's only May. They tend to hold everything back for fall, right? But mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was really into it. I mean, I, I also don't know what, like, what other films came out this year so far. <laughs> well, uh, there was the Tetris movie. Uh, I, I've been keeping track of them. I can give you the yeah, list. No, Tetris was good. This is good. There was, there was, there's been a lot of, like, that was good movies. Like so far, I haven't seen anything that's like. The fuck is like, the Tetris? Whoa! Well, you skip playing. <laughs> I don't. The fuck is the Tetris movie? It's about the history of uh, the game Tetris and how what? it got oh, picked okay. up and played. Which is actually kind of crazy. Yeah. Like it's no, an yeah, yeah. Story. There's, there's this great mm-hmm. like like there's great suspenseful like like uh, last like act. It's just like you're on your the edge of your seat. Oh, it's about... Taron Egerton. Yeah, yeah. I assume, but I saw I saw the last John Wick. I saw live action version of Tetris where it's just like no, no, that's stupid. No, that's not what it is. So it's I I I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't. It's uh, on. Was it Apple TV? Uh, Yes, Apple Plus. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's worth watching. It's worth Mm -hmm. well. Okay, I'm sorry, but you're you're literally Mm -hmm. asking about it, so I've been telling you. Uh, I feel like two of the things I saw were like franchise stuff. So I saw like Creed three and John Wick four. But, you know, I saw Knock at the Cabin. I saw Sharper. I'm going to watch the uh, – I just got the notification that that Willem Dafoe movie where he's, like, does a crime and gets locked in an apartment is now streaming. So I'm going to watch that because that sounds great. Everyone, when I was at the movie theater, seemed to be going into Evil Dead Rising. Uh, very few. I, I was kind of in there with, I think, probably maybe a dozen people uh, watching. Did any of them get into the wrong movie? They were waiting for the Deadites to jump out? <laughs> That would have been hilarious. I they're like, oh, this is artsier than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally, there's a dead eye on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When's he gonna I, read? I, the, when's he gonna read the book? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll watch that. I didn't watch the Evil Dead remake. I don't know. I like. I like the. It was. It was. It was better than it needed to be, but like, still not like uh, as good as the Remy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you know me. I I don't watch like franchise stuff if I know it's going to be like mid to bad. Like I I just won't. It's I'm not interested. It's better than mid though. That's the thing. It's it's like okay. wow. the Raimi stuff's so good. Like like it's just yeah. not Raimi good. Like like that's the problem with it. It's it's like I don't know. It's a fantastic I'm so, movie. I'm so picky with horror. Like it really has to be something fantastic for me to be down. No, there, there's a good twist in it too. So that's so all I'm gonna say. Okay. You know, it's, all right, it's, all right. Well, there there's surprises in it. It's it's worth it. You're uh, you're gonna. It's gonna be crazy when Bo Two Anxiety Boogaloo comes out. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the scene where he dances with the broom killer. Two, 
too bow, too nervousy? <laughs> <laughs> no, too bow, too panicky. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna workshop these bits. People. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> It'll be great by the time we go on air. I mean, this is Jake for the regular writers, so they'll have to take us. Bo Five will be fantastic. You know, it'll be like this this new fresh reboot of the movie. Bo Five still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my Will Smith one, where he what's, grabs- what's his? Uh, was it Police Academy that was Citizens on Patrol? <laughs> Look, if we can get Steve Gutenberg, we've got a Bo Five. We, we got Bo Five on lock. Hey, we've got Bo Five. We're making that. We got the goot. You got the goot. We got the goot. We got the goods. But uh, Andy, you got some final thoughts right here. I'm sorry. It's assignment Miami Beach is five. I was thinking of Police Academy four. My bad. <sighs> My final thought, when uh, me and KT were going to go see the film, I, I know I mentioned that uh, Ari Aster is probably one of the most uh, you know interesting new voices that have come into cinema recently. And this is nice to see him actually stretch his legs and show that he is more than just the horror guy. Um, so so that was... Uh, also the anxiety he, guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, uh, I, I remember like when the trailer first dropped, I caught part of it because like, you know, you're scrolling down twitter and you see like part of a because the tra- the trailer will just autoplay and uh i'm like oh this looks like it's gonna be like mishima you know like uh yeah because there was it, like the cartoon section right and there was yeah like, i feel like there was, it was like what is this this is hmm. and, and i'm like i'm like okay you you you've got my attention i'm i'm definitely gonna check this out um oh, sorry, to get and- back. <laughs> then he comes buku he's like he's like he tries to reinstate the emperor yeah that's the hour they cut out he, he's an imperialist and he, he has to commit ritual it's suicide after he doesn't read people just did michelle obama is like appalled by all this you can't make any decisions so he's he's supposed to commit you know yeah, like yeah. Uh, he's but he can't to even commit to that uh, oh, yeah yeah but like everybody else the plane just keeps flying and flying and flying until he hits into somebody else's why did they cut that out? He's, he's freaking out at the thing. He's like, "Mom, what should I do? Mom, 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 should I hit the should I hit the boat? Should I hit the?" <laughs> By the way, I love that we're throwing out Mishima references like everybody's seen it. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, reference to our now classic episode. Now classic episode. I mean, it's a great film. It's my it's my favorite Schrader film, and that's saying a lot. But anyway, it's nothing yeah. like it. But, but, but I, I yeah, can see where yeah, seeing the preview of that, it does have that sort of feel of like, what? Hmm. Yeah. And, and there's certainly allusions to it with that play within a, a film uh, part of it. Yeah. Uh, because like, like Mishima, it, it tells a story, but not in a direct line. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so like, uh, but, but they're, they're, they're also two set very different films too, at the same time. So, so that also, um, I mean, you know, so wonder. Has anyone seen Paul Schrader's on Facebook, right? Has anyone seen if he's if he's like watched this movie? I'd be curious as his take on it. Yeah, yeah, I'd be curious. Too. I haven't. I, yeah, he is on. Facebook. I don't know. I've been too busy looking for Ben Shapiro's. Um, I I also think it's kind of interesting that obviously he wrote Taxi Driver, and Scorsese's kind of been fascinated with Ari Aster like more than any other modern director. Mm, mm, mm. You have to wonder if uh, you know. I mean, if you are connected to those two things, like Scorsese sees things in certain people always, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and doesn't see things in other people. I was very vocal about that. But uh, like, you know, Paul Schrader and Ari Aster, maybe there's like a, 
a through line that he sees in in both of those artists. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe he just liked Hereditary a lot. I mean, <laughs> Scorsese was Scorsese is literally the biggest fucking Hereditary fan like out of anyone I've ever seen. He has like all these videos for like Criterion where he's just like talking endlessly about uh hereditary like that was his like favorite movie of the fucking decade or something good ass i mean it's a great movie but like it's just funny oh marty likes it (laughs) (laughs) it's not what you would expect out of a guy of his age to be interested in and horror doesn't get that kind of like auteur directors would care about it kind of i I really appreciate that about the fact that he's uh boosted ari because um i mean he sees him as like an auteur you know which he is, yeah. but like it is yeah. it's kind of uh, a lot of times just horror kind of gets written off, which in this movie, because it's like a horror comedy, like there's, you know, I've seen so many, I mean, I've, I said this before we were, you know, recording, but like there's so many things that are like, Bo was afraid, I was not, like as like a film yeah. critic or something, like uh, Scorsese actually taking an interest in his entire career and being like, this is a truly gifted filmmaker, like it's something you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's not making a mini me out of him, like you might say Spielberg is with J.J. Abrams, like he genuinely likes this guy and wants to have him be himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put Bobby De Niro in your next movie. <laughs> well, yeah. Don't be formulaic. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix kind of is the Robert De Niro of our generation. Well, I mean, literally, fucking Todd Phillips' Joker is, uh, yeah, you know, King, King of Comedy De Niro's. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. It's the whole. <laughs> which gave us the greatest meme of all time uh really like the greatest meme lately from a movie still where it's uh robert dio being like you think blah 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 is blah blah and he's like i do and i'm tired of saying that i don't and then there's just so many contexts where that meme is funny like you could just replace whatever it is it's like you think cops dying is funny he's like yeah i do and i'm tired of thinking that i don't <laughs> But uh, but yeah, we can leave it. We can leave it there. We're ten minutes uh, less than the movie itself. Is. I mean, my favorite th- that one's good. But my, I mean, my absolute favorite thing is the uh, when when a joke totally bombs, right? The the other meme, you know, what I'm talking about. Wait, which which when a joke bombs? He's got, he's got the cards. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think that there's like I mean I don't think that Ari asked you this on purpose but like it because of Joker having Joaquin Phoenix in it like there's instant comparisons to that movie and it's mm-hmm. kind of it's I think I saw I saw Joker at the same theater that I saw mm-hmm. Bo is Afraid at I also saw Midsummer at the same theater that I saw uh, Bo is Afraid at but um, it's actually not a theater at all it's Ari Aster's living room <laughs> I wish I'd love to pick that guy's mind and find out how he's so depraved, even though his life seems really normal. It's really well in, in uh, Ari Aster, come here. on the show. Scorsese's a big horror fan. He's a big supporter of Cronenberg in the Shivers Rabbit era. Another guy, Cronenberg, totally yeah. depraved yeah. and like the most normal guy that ever normal, like in real life. And Canadian too, so he's like really polite about it. Yeah, yeah and doesn't I mean, the Canadian government subsidize a certain portion of his films? Oh, like most of yes. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's, there's a whole. He's not laundering We don't have time for that. And yeah, it also, exactly. they also, uh, when we talked about last night, which Cronenberg's in, they subsidized that movie too. Um, Where he individually like, calls everyone up when the world is ending to thank them for being a customer. Scorsese is kind of the ultimate like 
film fan auteur director, right? Like, yeah, he's he's somebody that number one pours himself into his own movies, but also has spent his career boosting people that he appreciates a lot. So I feel like I kind of perk up when Scorsese's like, oh, this is someone that's really talented. But it's like I don't know, it's high. Pr- he like literally, I feel like he doesn't just um. Like, I feel like Ari Aster doesn't ask him to do these Q&A panels. He asks Ari Aster, like, hey, can I come interview you for your... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it definitely feels like um, he's interested in people who are going to be able to tell the story both with the medium of film, because he's such a big fan of film, uh, that it's not just like, oh, wow, Ari Aster's a good writer. It's like, oh, he's a good filmmaker. You could talk right. about the editing. You could talk about the cinematography. Well, and if you watch the him interviewing him on Bo is Afraid, um, which he's interviewed him on every movie he's done so far. But like, if you watch that Q&A, they're talking about the process and he's like asking him like, how do you do this? How did you do that? How, mm-hmm. Like he's asking him about That's all so these different things. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're at the, the 250 mark, so I'm going to leave it. Okay. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with Sam Cedar. Very excited for that. Um, he's in the condor, baby. And if you watch this live, thanks for spending your Friday night with us. You know, we, uh, we appreciate it.